1: raging Cajun nation to stand up with us. Stand up with us, let's lock hand in hand, and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. I love y'all boys, let's grind every day
2: starting today. Let's do it, y'all ready? Alarm, alarm, ready! Who's your team ready? Who's your team ready? Ready.
1: ready? Ready. I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ah!
0: Ladies, gentlemen, children, babies, Cajun Nation, good evening, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Raisin Review Podcast. First of all, we want to wish everybody a Happy New Year. Welcome back. We took a little bit of a, a break. I guess we followed that same uh, UL uh, Christmas break schedule. I took a little bit of time off, kind of regrouped, but now we're back and ready to talk about the second half of of the athletic year for region Cajun athletics. So, uh, I'm here, I'm Jerry here with Nick, Josh, guys, it's good to be back. How are y'all?
2: Cold, man. I don't know if it's, if it's cold in, uh, in the flats as it is in Houston, but it's been pretty miserable for the last couple of days. I know Josh was talking about some of the struggles they were having, like we're having over here. So, uh, warming up, hopefully a little bit before he gets cold again.
1: Live from the frozen tundra of Lafayette, Louisiana. (laughs) yeah right I appreciate the opportunity to be on your guys show oh by the way I got a shout out to my
2: brother and my sister-in-law coach Doe and his wife getting me the USL cap I've been wanting this for a while and uh, they hooked me up for Christmas so thank you I think my sister-in-law might be
1: watching so nice job job,
0: coach Doe very very good very nice taking care of his people we like it we like it and of course we want to thank the people that take care of us at Ranger Review want to thank our sponsors real quick
1: Hey, everybody, thanks again for joining Raging Review for another weekly episode. We'd just like to encourage you to patronize our great sponsors like Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Med. Have you been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain but really don't want to deal with a long, drawn-out process? Then call the chiropractor Raging Cajun Athletes use for their neck and back pain, Dr. Brett Venable. The bottom line is you just need to feel better. You need to get better quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable comes in to make all the difference. Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you. Opelousas, New Iberia, and of course, main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brett Venable is one of very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He's also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board at Tulane School of Professional Advancement. Before you start to stress about the process, remember, this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you carry Workman's Comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be to Dr. Brett Venable and his great team at Recovery Cairo Med. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. Come and find out what our raging Cajun athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337 988 2188 or visit recoverychiromed.com, recoverychiromed.com. We'd like to thank Dr. Brett Venable for being an RCAF member and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Raging Review podcast. Also a huge thank you to Absolutely Embroidery and More. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. At Raging Review, we get our gear from Miss Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and More absolutely has a massive inventory of raging cajun apparel to choose from if you can't find something you like absolutely can make something you'll like right there in the shop and if your creation proves to be a popular item with customers absolutely will give you a little incentive for helping out with the cause bring in your vermilion and white shirts hats shorts socks dresses jackets sweaters or whatever garment you need to represent the cajuns absolutely also offers customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats polos uniforms etc absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of exciting accessories for the lady cajuns in your life earrings headbands bracelets clutches and bags are just a few options to complete her spicy look pass by 3010 collie saloon roan in lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at absolutely embroidery and more today They'll treat you to quality Cajun clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. And if you're an out-of-town raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social channels on Instagram or Facebook. There, you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. Once again, folks, please support local businesses and please support businesses that support the Raging Cages and especially the Raging Review podcast.
0: And once again, thanks to our sponsors, Dr. Brett Venable Recovery, Cairo Med, as well as Absolutely Embroidery and more. It's always, it's always good to support local, um, and of course, we got to show love for our local businesses. Also, too, uh, I'm going to start doing this in the next. A couple months. I've uh, got to give a shout out to right now with everything going on with NIL. Uh, yes, we do have NIL efforts at UL that uh, we want to give a shout out to the crew along. Uh, just to give you guys an idea, the crew along has been around for about six months now. Uh, the crew along exists to enhance the experience of Raging Cajun student athletes and provide experiences for them to connect with our engaging and enthusiastic fan base. They help. Student athletes monetize their name, image and likeness through experiences and connections in the community. These experiences will connect our student athletes to families and businesses. The mission of the crew raises funds and makes connections to provide name, image and likeness opportunities for UL student athletes. That also includes the individual, the fans, Right now, we're in a very, very much an evolving world. Uh, we've seen how crazy the portals has gotten with nil. We've lost a few key players to that, which we'll talk about uh, pretty soon. But if you have a chance, donate to the crew. Um, you can give anywhere from custom, uh, custom one time payment anywhere from ten to twenty dollars to twenty thousand uh, dollars. Any amount of money is a huge help to help with nil especially at the university of louisiana because that is what college sports has turned into like it or not as john aiken had said before so now it's time to evolve help with the crew as much as you can so with that being said guys uh, again it's good to be back here we've got a lot to talk about tonight i figured since the last episode where we talked a little bit about the portal and nil uh, we could sort of pick up from where we left off. We can pretty much talk a little bit about what's going on in the football world. I know foot college football season is completely over with. We'll talk a little bit about basketball. There's some changes within the athletic department with season tickets. I know they had some season tickets information go out for football um, today, actually uh, having to do with the adjustments of seating at Cajun Field. Um, For those of you wondering if you've passed by cajun field i had the chance to pass by last night and it looks like a lot of the rubble's pretty much gone uh josh i don't know i know you live pretty close to there but if you pass by it now the area where the upper deck once was there's still some rubble there but it looks like the ground has flattened a little bit you can actually see the wall of the student section on the other side from bertrand so they're really moving along uh with this project and i know fans have asked us to take some pictures and give some updates really haven't done much since they took down the upper deck I plan on doing so in the next couple days um but anyway
1: well have no fear we'll get some footage for you some good stuff um special from us in the next week or so so uh yeah just hang on tight just it's it's nothing really worth seeing right now and that's why I haven't been out there but uh, I have something special in the works
0: Very nice. Very nice. And uh, yeah, we'll give some updates and hopefully pretty soon once they get all that going, the process will really get going with with some construction and whatnot and some, you know, some foundation building. Um, Also too, we'll also give some updates uh, at Teague Moorfield at Russo Park. We we, uh, were able to post some pictures from last week. Looks like the turf is uh, coming in. It looks beautiful. Uh, I know you guys have seen it already. I know a lot of our fans have Uh, checked it out. I know some fans have gone in um, and taken some pictures. It looks great. Very exciting. Um, And I'm really looking forward to seeing some baseball being played on that new surface. Nick, do you have more information on that? Yeah, no. (laughs)
2: Other than I went and I I took a sneak peek of it. Um, But I will say what I did like about it is the fact that even though it has the stripes, it's not as dramatic as some of the fields that you see around the country where the stripes are just so pronounced and it looks fake, it looks real, it looks good. And they didn't have—I don't know if they put the raging Cajuns in the outfield uh by the time you guys went out there, but the the raging Cajuns in the outfield didn't look obnoxiously big. That's what I was worried about. I was worried that there'd be a big raging Cajuns in the outfield, and it looked from the stenciling that I saw that it would be pretty reserved and and nice and okay. So I'm okay with it. I it remains to be seen if i'm gonna like seeing turf as the pitcher's mound but my brother guaranteed me that they all prefer having the turf on the pitcher's mound just for maintenance reasons etc i am going to be upset because i will not get to see gunner do his little manicuring of the of the pitcher's mound again and i won't hear dan mcdonald say for the umpteenth time well we're gonna have to go to home depot and get some brown paint and rub it in there to match the turf very upset on those two things, but other than that, I think for the most part, it's going to be, a, I mean, I'm not going to say for the most part, it is going to be a definite upgrade to what we've seen. When you see the before, I think somebody posted on our account the the put me in coach, the center field video from a couple years ago. You look at that and the field, the way the field looked, and the field looked fine, but when you put that against what it looks like now, it's like night and day, man. I mean, it just looks so sharp. So really excited to see that that. You know be finished and ready and to go for uh for opening day this year
0: and speaking of opening day we're we're 30 days away officially today from opening day uh at the teague as the Cajuns will open up against wright state uh february 16th so that'll be a lot of fun and of course softball is less than a month away uh they'll be playing in 22 days as they open up against chattanooga uh february uh 8th i believe the weekend right before mardi gras so diamond sports right around the corner guys i'm fired up i'm ready
2: by the way i want to i want to say again to dave schultz i'm calling you out man because i didn't i didn't catch it i had to listen to the replay where you said baseball had a terrible home schedule bruh baseball has a really nice schedule you're playing rice at home you got southern miss wright state is a, now look wright state is not maybe well known to those They're outside of college team. baseball They're They're a regional regional team. team. They're a good team. We have good teams on the schedule this year. So I'm calling you out, Dave. This is a solid schedule. And look, uh, we had Brian Benton a couple of years ago explaining RPI. And RPI is not all about scheduling the highest RPI teams. You want the teams that you can beat but have a middle to upper RPI. So it's not necessarily all about us scheduling top 10 RPI for home games. You got to play the RPI game. Brian's got that down to a science, and it seems like our coaching staff is listening to to him or, or understands the way of the world these days because it's not all about just beating upper echelon RPI teams to to elevate your RPI. It has a lot to do with who they're playing, and plus, you know, are they, uh, are they a beatable team, and what is their – RPI in the top however many not necessarily the top 10 so I think it's a fantastic schedule it's all teams that we know it's all teams that we respect so I'm excited for this season man.
0: Yeah, I don't I mean you look at a team like Wright State I don't think they're going to be uh, one of those teams where you look at the end of the season and go why did we schedule them. Uh, they're one of those teams where you look at it and go okay they're, they're going to make a run they're probably going to find a way to get into a regional or and if they don't they'll be one of those you know first. Four in, last four out, last four out type team. So, um, no, it's very exciting. Looking forward to that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that uh, as as we discuss baseball in the next few segments. But first, let's talk a little bit about football. Uh, we'll start off with the portal. Uh, obviously, the last episode we had leading into Christmas was when Zion Chris announced that he was going into the portal. Uh, it's a you know few days after that, uh, Zeon officially announced he is now a quarterback and a member of the Houston Cougars football team. And so, Zion has entered the portal. Since then, Cam George, uh, Katie Anna Star, he entered the portal. Really didn't play much this year. I was kind of disappointed in that because I thought Cam was going to be a great player for us. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But guys, I got to tell you, I maybe it's just me, and I know losing Zion was was really hurt and was huge for us. At the same time, I look around the conference and I look around college football as of today, twenty one hundred players. 2,100 players, which is equivalent to 20% of all D1 rosters, have players in the portal right now. I mean, that is that is insane. And if you look at even the bigger schools right now, right? Nick Saban, officially retired. You know, um, Kalen DeBoer coming in at Alabama. They've, they've lost a lot of players. And it looks like there's a total meltdown in Tuscaloosa right now because even the Alabamas of the world are losing players. I wouldn't be surprised if Jim Harbaugh ends up going somewhere else and Michigan loses players, defending national champs. So it's just crazy what what the portal has turned into. Um, I mean, what do you guys think about that?
2: Well, I I mean, it's got to. We keep saying things have to be fixed, and things are getting fixed. But you look at the fact that we're in mid January, and the portal is still open for these teams, and maybe open, like you alluded to, with Harbaugh at Michigan. You know, and then now you've got now you've got teams that are losing players but have a very – the the pool's not as big as it was a month ago, right? So they're actually getting penalized for winning a national championship if they lose their coach. They're getting penalized for playing later into the season because a lot of those guys who were in the portal, the, the five-star, four-star, whatever, they've already signed it to, to different teams, committed it elsewhere. And so what's left for them to pick from? So the advantage is all – is all gone for an Alabama because now they have to pick from a pool of folks that haven't been picked by other schools and they're losing their top players to go elsewhere. And who knows where they end up? I mean, you saw Trey Amos third, third school in three years, you know? So I look again, the, the grass is not always greener. I think reality is starting to set in for some of the guys who are out there not getting picked up. But the fact of the matter is It's still going to continue happening. This is not something that we're going to say, well, let's say Zion never starts the game in Houston. You know, Jordan Brown, he might play for Memphis again. We're not sure. That's all up in the air. But is it really going to discourage players? I don't think so. And look, the, the UConn coach came out on Twitter. I'm going to pull this up real quick. He came out and said something to the effect of, how do you coach in an environment where the players feel like they owe you nothing and you owe them everything? And that's the truth. got you got you got 18 19 year old kids that say you have to show me the money you owe me everything and by the way even if you give it to me i'm not committed to stay here more than a year now to be fair and as someone else said coaches have been doing that for years coaches have been leaving at you know signing a a whole class of students uh, student athletes and then leaving five days later they've been doing this for years but when you, I mean, you have to take into account this is 133 coaches, and we're talking about like you said, 2,100 players in the portal. That's a big differential, right? That, that that does that's not even. So it's I get the argument that the coaches have been doing this for a while, but you're talking about 18, 19 year old kids with all the power and with get to get to call the shots. Oh, and by the way, there's no contract involved. At least coaches have contracts where the, where the schools can get compensated if they're taken, you know, if they have the if it's in the contract they can get compensated if the coach is taken. You got nothing with these kids. So you're paying for their education most of the time. You're you're paying for their health care, you're probably playing insurance on them, and then they come for a year and leave. And you you got nothing. You spent all this money on them plus an IL and they get to say, "Well, you know what? Not happy. I'm out." It's not sustainable. And no matter what we say, I, I know in a perfect world we say, well, these kids will learn. They're they're not gonna learn because you got people locally in the city of Lafayette that are shopping our players, shopping our players to other universities before the players even know they're shopping them. There's a problem here, folks. There's something that's gotta be regulated. But will it happen? I don't know. I hope it happens, but I have no confidence anything's gonna change.
0: Well, I think. It's like I said about a month or so ago, and and it always happens this way, right? And we've talked about this many times. The only way things change is when the big schools get affected by it. It's like our friend from Southern Miss, Ryan, he brought it up. He said the system they created is finally biting back. But notice how that always happens, right? Recruiting scandals, any type of illegal activity that goes on, right? The Southern Misses and the ULs and the Troys of the world, that happens to us. we We get made an example of. But when that happens in Alabama, like it's happening today and all of Tuscaloosa is freaking out and then people are worried about what would happen if to Michigan, if Jim Harbaugh ends up taking an NFL job or what's going to happen if uh, this particular P5 school loses 20 players. And now all of a sudden, it's a big deal. Now, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, we got to do something about this. Well, where was this when when Louisiana lost 14 starters in the last two years to to let me ask you
2: this, Jerry, what makes you think? That anybody other than Alabama cares right now—it's a big deal to Alabama, but to a T-SAB or to a Texas, they don't care. They're profiting off but, of this.
0: But they'll care when they start losing the same. When they start, when they start having to go against the USes and the Miamis and the North Carolinas and the Michigans and fight—you know, having to bid the highest bidder for a player—and they start losing those players after investing millions, oh, they'll care. They'll be the—they'll be screaming right next to them.
2: But guess who won't care at that time? The Alabamas who've got it figured out. Michigan's who's got it figured out. So they're all like, well, we're not doing anything about this. It's going to be cyclical. Teams are going to care when it affects them. But as a whole, they're, I mean, they're, the programs are just sitting back laughing at Alabama going, see, we told you, ha-ha. They're not going to do anything because it's hurting Alabama. That's what everybody wants. Now, again, like you said, in a couple of years when the cycle completes and Alabama's okay and Michigan's okay and Washington's okay and then it's hurting TSAB and Texas well then all their fans are going to be up in arms but Alabama's going to be like we ain't doing anything about this we're good I mean so when is it going to get fixed I don't see it getting fixed Jerry it's it's just going to be a different program every single year and the other programs that are set at and got it figured out after that point they're going to be like well not our problem
1: I just think that we're speeding down a highway of these players are going to become employees of the university. Agreed. I see a commissioner. I see a salary cap. I see revenue sharing. I don't. I don't unions. There will be unions. I mean that that case was litigated what three years ago. Now feels Marketing like that, that feels like thirty years ago. So that's that's where we're headed, and I think that the reason why it's such the wild wild west, as we call it, is, is on purpose, so that we will. Uh, it's basically. You, you are speeding up the process of getting to the end. And I think that that's inevitable. And look, dude, I, I feel sorry for, if you're a guy like Mike who got into this a couple years ago as a head man and everything literally changed as you were <laughs> filling out your roster and your coaching staff, I feel I have empathy for those guys because it isn't the same job anymore. It isn't the same sport anymore. It isn't the same. There's no, nothing in this climate is like it was five years ago, three years ago. So if the guys that can figure out a way to exist until there's some sort of legislation, uh, uh, you know, rules, I don't know, guide rails, whatever you want to call them. Until that's in place, it's all you're guessing, essentially. I mean, I think it's kind of amazing that we only lost the guys that we lost. And if you look at the, the people that we added, transferred in, uh, there's some impressive names, uh, well, at, at least on paper, you know. You got to get as much as we bang on Mike for in game management and things like that. You got to give him a lot of credit for managing the roster over the over the course of the offseason so far. I mean, you have to. I think it's surprising. It surprised me. Uh, so that's where I'm at. I mostly care about the Cajuns and all this. It's like Nick said, everybody in Alabama is upset now because they're impacted. But, you know, it, until it happens to these bigger schools that are darlings, blue bloods, your USC, your Oklahoma's, just like you mentioned. I don't see much changing, you know. I, I In fact, I, I see it's going to get worse before it gets any better. And in order for you to usher in change, usually chaos ensues right before that. So I think we're right where they want us to be. And we just have to deal with it right now. And it's a shame because it's killing the sport.
0: Well, I will say this. Uh, one thing that has really lost track and all of this stuff that we're talking about is indeed loyalty, right? There's no loyalty anymore when it comes to going to a school, getting an education and and, and playing football. It's all about how much can I get paid? It doesn't matter what school I'm at. It doesn't matter what I'm offered uh, academically. It's all about, you know, if I'm, if I get all, I could be, like you said, I could be playing at a place like Alabama, start every game, have a chance to play for a national title, but if they're not giving me what i want and i have another school that may not be as good but is offering me more money i can just i'm just gonna leave even if the school is academically inferior to maybe alabama i can just leave
2: bye but here's here's the deal to me just like in the nfl where they get paid and look they get paid a lot more money in the nfl in most cases i know some players in college football right now are getting paid more than some rostered nfl players but beside the point If you're not going to be loyal, if there's no more loyalty from players to universities as there's no more loyalty from coaches to universities, look, we hammer coaches when we think they're not doing the right thing. Because one, is there loyalty there? I think with Des, it's a little bit different, but they're paid by the university, you know, and we never go after players because they're amateur and, and they're student athletes, et cetera. But I think if you're getting into this new age of when players are getting paid thousands of dollars, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to play the game, and they're not living up to their potential. I don't want to hear anybody coming after us if we start criticizing players. I mean, all bets are off at this point. Because if you got a guy, I mean, you think about it, I'm not going to any longer get attached to players because outside of a Chandler, who's been here for five years, and a couple other guys on the team, You don't know who's going to be here from one year to the next. So I'm not going to start getting attached to any guys on the roster because they might might not be here next year. So I'm going to continue to support the team. I'm going to continue to like the team and always be a raging Cajun at heart. But the days of me, like, like me and and Reese, Reese was one of my favorite all-time players. I mean, he's a punter, but he, the the guy was one of my all-time favorite players. I felt like he was going to be here a while. He stuck around. He was here a while. I don't know if I can get that geeked up about anybody signing with us anymore because you don't know if they're going to be here in a year.
1: But you know what the fallout of that is? Is that you're not attached, so you don't go the extra mile. You don't give the extra $1,000. You don't make the extra road game. You don't You don't buy that extra shirt. You don't. I'm experiencing it myself. I mean, I've been a diehard Cajuns fan as long as I can remember. I'm going to tell you the last 18 months, I've probably spent less on Cajun athletics than I ever have. And that's not in protest. Some of it's kind of in protest, but it, largely it's because that I don't have that emotional attachment to the individuals anymore. Uh, in that same Gino Oriyama speech, it was about, you know, the reason why the coaches got into the profession was about the relationships with the players, usually at the high school level. But if you get into it for the right reasons, even though you're getting compensated in college, you still kind of have that core about you, right? It's still about the, the relationships. You can't have relationships with players that everything's transactional. It's impossible. So, we're creating a culture where the players are just like you can go look on the recruiting sites and they have NIL values next to their names. It's an auction. That's what you've turned this into. It's an auction. So, how can you expect Joe Blow in the seat in Lafayette or in Boone or in, you know, wherever? to be attached to anybody when they're literally just cattle they're auctioning off cattle that's all it is all we're rooting for now it's to, to quote the great george carlin is clothes we're rooting for clothes it says cajuns on the front so i'm going to root for you but at the end of the day i'm not emotionally attached it's not the same anymore like the interest is no longer the same and the the generations that are behind us even though they they will evolve with the times they'll never understood or they'll never understand what it meant to have a favorite quarterback who stayed here for five years. They'll never understand what that's like. Uh, and I feel sorry for them for that. But that is going to impact how people support collegiate athletics. Not just football, but basketball. I mean, how, when's the last time somebody stayed there full-time in college that was worth, you know, as far as brand recognition or name recognition? There are no more Leitners and Jordans and, and things like that. College basketball isn't what it was because you don't have the star power anymore. They'd rather go get paid in the G League than play for Duke. I mean, that—that's wild. We grew up in a time where, in a lot of ways, paying, playing for North Carolina or Duke, Kansas—I mean, that was more that there was more brand recognition behind that than playing for Toronto or Memphis, Grizzlies, you know, and, and, and Toronto Raptors in the in the NBA. It's no longer like that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know where this ends.
2: And I wanna say again, Josh, because you said about about the NIL values, I I wanna stress this yet again, that it's people in our own city that are using those NIL values to their advantage and shopping our players without them knowing and coming to them with offers. People in our own community, people from Lafayette that are doing that to hurt our program. And don't come at me and saying, well, it's only rumors. We've heard this from several different people, very well connected. To, uh, as connected as you can be to the university. I talked to the lady myself. It's
1: not a rumor. It really happened. I, I talked to her, I spoke to her myself. It's not a rumor. It happened. But this is the downside of free market capitalism. If somebody sees an opportunity to make a buck, they're going to seize it. No matter how sleazy it is, this is where we are. And, and that's why you can't have a system that doesn't have any rails, no guide rails. But again, I'll say it again. It, this is on purpose. Nobody can tell me it's not.
0: It's about making money. It's all it is. It's about making money. They've seen what college football has become over the last 40 or 50 years. They've seen how much it's grown. And, you know, when it comes to name, image, and likeness of these players, and look, in the past, you know, I remember the the Miami uh, documentary on ESPN, the 30 for 30, the U, there were players because the president was all about academics at the time, and players would be like, well, wait a minute, you know, I know Miami is a great academic institution, but nobody mentions the fact that you built these nice buildings around the same time we started winning national championships. I kind of see a little bit of a pattern there, you know, Alabama, uh, their enrollment went up by 15,000 students during the Saban era in the first five to six years. Um, I think they were like at 25,000 students, they went up to 40 and a lot of that had to do with, with sports and football. So you definitely see the pattern. You definitely see the, the irony behind why they want to make some money off of it. At the same time, uh, you know, the, the amateurism is pretty much gone. It's safe to say, especially now, but you know, Speaking of, of loyalty and players not being as loyal like they used to, there is one player that has been loyal to Louisiana, and Nick, you mentioned his name, Chandler Fields, coming back for his uh, fifth season. He announced uh, a few weeks ago that he will be returning for his last year. I know he walked uh, on senior day uh, against ULM in November, uh, thinking that it was his last game, but we'll be seeing Chandler for another year. It's good to have guys like that who are committed to the program, committed to the school, and um, you know, look with Zion being gone, um, now it's Chandler, it's Ben, and now you've got Lunch on the depth chart. Of course, Daniel Beal from Catholic High of Baton Rouge signing with the Cajuns. I think he's going to be a good addition. So, you know, honestly, seeing Chandler come back as hard as it was to lose Zion, I actually feel pretty good about that depth chart at quarterback because you do have some experienced guys and you have some upcomers like like Lunch and Daniel.
2: Yeah, and I don't want to. I don't want to hit on on Zion because he's got a ton of talent and a ton of potential, but he was turnover prone. Let's not you know hide behind the fact that he is prone to turnovers. Uh, and I, you know, I, I'm not again not going to bash the kid for that. But you've got two very now we've got two very experienced quarterbacks who have significant playing time, who know the offense, who know the players. Didn't lose a whole lot in the portal. So I th- I think the future is bright at the quarterback position. And you've got two very experienced quarterbacks that next year you're going to have lunch. You're going to have Beal, who knows who Des will bring in, in in out of the portal or sign next year. Our quarterback room is very healthy. It always has been for the past few years, has been very healthy. So quarterback position, not worried about that over the next couple of years, as long as we hold on to lunch and and uh, Beal. And and then you have LaJean coming back, Who's going to add some sort of kink in those plans. Hopefully, maybe we'll see him in a wildcat. I know he's going to probably be a, a starting wide receiver. So I think we're good at, at the quarterback spot for the next couple of years.
1: Well, Lance, certainly as an element, and that's a weapon that we would really have benefited from last year. And I'm glad that he's back and I hope everything works out because it sounded like a, a raw deal. But, but anyway, I I'll just want to brag on Chandler again. Grad transfer, he could have walked in any university in this country, played right away, would have been eligible right away. I'm sure he had plenty of opportunities. Here's the thing. We have to start celebrating these guys that decide to come back. We have to. And and here's the other thing. The the quarterback room was a net positive regardless. Like you said, Nick, we've been pretty healthy in the quarterback room for years, but we didn't lose games because of quarterback play this year. Uh, Zeon was turnover prone at times. I'm still going to give him the benefit of the doubt for being young, kind of learning on the fly. Uh, we were down a lot, so we had to throw it on very obvious downs. I'll give him that. I, I still thought the guy was going to be a good quarterback. I think he's going to good, be a good player at Houston. However, there is no substitute for experience. We've got a guy that has played he's played winning football in Chandler Fields, and we've got a, a guy in Ben Woldridge who's played winning football. So it's a it was a net positive last year with the injuries. As long as we don't go back to this – Quarterback battle in the spring, and maybe maybe it's in the spring, but in the fall, I want I want to define starter. And I don't want to go back to this dual quarterback system. As long as we know who our guy is, the team will rally and they'll play. Chandler was tough. He stepped up when he needed to. He played winning football. He never whined. He didn't bitch. He didn't do anything. He was a good teammate. He was a good leader. And go all the way back to he was probably I think I think he was Napier's first recruit. Yeah. He so was this vulnerable. guy yeah. has been through so many changes in this program he's been benched he's been injured he's he's i mean damn he came back against Florida state and I mean, he ate a, a a crap sandwich for you know four hours and and, and he rebounded and got better for that uh, from that so we gotta we gotta keep in mind what kind of guys we have in the room not just how talented they are but how mentally prepared and how mentally tough and how experienced they are i feel good about quarterback going in and i'll tell you this We didn't lose much in the, in the portal, but I think we can all agree that having Chandler say yes to Dez again, it gives you that extra layer of security, regardless of if he's, if he's the starter or if he's the backup, having him there makes me feel comfortable for, for one reason or another. I don't know what it is. I just feel better that he said yes to come back.
2: Culture. I mean, it feels like we talk about culture all the time. That's what you feel like you get with Chandler is that culture. So I'm, I'm super happy. And, like you said I can't say it enough. I know I I I bragged about it on on the X app and De boot is probably beyond, you know, beside himself right now <laughs> because of him coming back. But look, I'm I'm digging it De boot. I'm with you on this one. This one this one felt good.
0: I think what makes it more exciting too to to your point Josh is the fact that you have somebody that has been considered a leader in the locker room. I mean, players rally around someone like Chandler and Ben too, right? And now seeing you know seeing that example of him saying in in this transfer portal world that we live in that I'm going to come back from one more year that might have motivated a few guys to to stay put and not go into the portal. I mean we we don't know that but but it's good to see that leadership role and see him uh basically set the example for that locker room and and look because of that there's going to be guys that are going to rally around that starting in the spring going into the fall and I'm going to tell you looking around the conference and seeing some of these guys that are leaving those other schools i think we're in good position as far as our roster goes i mean prime example just yesterday tj finley from texas state who was considered to me texas state was considered an early favorite going into 2024 not so much anymore not with him being gone he's in the portal now so it just it's so crazy how things can just change in a flash another prime example not just players but coaches You saw. Uh, Kane Womack, he's officially left South Alabama to be the defensive coordinator at Alabama. Hang and, on, uh, hang they on, just hang hired. On.
1: Go ahead, we, we got to talk about that.
0: Yeah, finish well, your we'll, thought. Finish your yeah, thought, but we well, got to yeah. talk about that. Yeah, Kane Womack officially announced that he is the def- new defensive coordinator at Alabama uh, under Kalen DeBauer and and or Kalen DeBoer and the new head coach. They just announced tonight uh, will be Major Applewhite. So. I mean just so much has changed right so so many things can happen on the fly it's not just players but its coaching staff as well so again to believe it or not as pessimistic as i was after the new orleans bull loss i actually feel really really good or a lot better going into spring knowing that our roster is pretty much intact for the most part and at least we have guys that are willing to stay put and 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 fight the good fight as opposed to other schools that are dealing with all of this turnover right now, rosters and coaches as well?
1: I think the best way to put it is we didn't take a step back. I don't feel like we took a step back. Like We lost some talent. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Kendre Gantt was a playmaker, but we replaced him with a playmaker. And we've got guys behind him that can play. And and uh, would I love to have him on the team? Of course I would. Would I love to have Zion on the team? Of course. But I don't feel like we took a step back. And I feel like maybe for the first time in two years, that's the case, right? I don't feel like I don't feel like we took a step back as we did in the first two years. So I, that that's I hate to say it, but you know, sometimes you got to stop bailing out water and kind of stabilize to where you can start gaining some momentum to go forward. But but my question about Kane Womack, okay, so I don't see anybody talking about this, and I just got to say it, and, and I need other people to hear it. How the hell can you go from a head coach to a defensive coordinator? Look, I understand that there's a salary bump. I'm sure there's a salary bump involved. I get it. Like making a million bucks and making two two million bucks. Okay, whatever. You live in Alabama, dude. A million and two million, not a huge difference. All that. I mean, come on. The cost of living is basically Louisiana. How can you go from being the head guy to the number three guy? I I just, I'll never understand that. To me, that is is some extreme beta energy. That's what I've been calling it. Well well look, Ron Roberts did it
0: when he left Southeastern to become Billy Napier's DC here. Now granted, Southeastern But he wasn't he, working. Right. He left the, no, he was the head coach of Southeastern. He left. Now, granted, it's a little bit different going from Southeastern to become the UL DC as opposed to leaving, you know, uh an a, a Sunbelt G five. A team FBS that just position. routed
1: Oklahoma State the year before and had but, but I think the upside another of- one Another coach who did that was the head
0: coach at Kent state. He left to become Dion's or coach prime's OC at Colorado. But I think after coach prime basically took away his play calling, he's now the head coach at San Diego state, but it, but there's some coaches who, who do that. And maybe it's the, maybe it's the fact that they don't have as much responsibility. Maybe, maybe coach Womack being a defensive guy figures, you know, I can go to Alabama, maybe it can be an easier step up for me to become a head coach at a P5 one day maybe he thought that ladder might have been easier being the DC at Alabama i don't
1: know uh, but uh, but he's a usm guy like he's a he played at usm he coached at usm he is i'm sorry i'm saying usm usa he's a usa guy he he played for south Al and he was a linebacker coach i believe before he was the head coach in a in a previous administration my, my question is, is how, like, I can't understand the mindset of, I'm a head coach, I call the plays, these are, or I don't call plays, but I, I am responsible for this football team, this organization. This, this is mine. I'm going to leave that to go work for a guy. I understand him and Kalen DeBoer are friends. I, you're, 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 Kent State is not South Alabama, I don't think. I've, look at the metrics. Uh, Sunbelt Conference was a P5. Kent State is is middle of the MAC. Actually, they were pretty good this year, but I don't think anybody's I don't think anybody's staying at Kent State longer than they have to. I, if you look at the money that you that uh, South Alabama spends and their budget and what they I mean they got the mobile market wide open. I don't understand it. And he had them on the way up. They were recruiting well. Their NIL was taking off. He's got a he's got a path to the playoff in the Sun Belt now. I don't know it could never be me it could never be i don't care about salary in that regard if you if you live in california and you're paying 60 percent taxes i guess that's one thing but if you're living in alabama how much more are you making what was the salary like 1.1 after incentives and he's gonna make what 2 million at alabama I, i i just that's not worth it to me if i'm him nick am i nuts
2: well i'm not saying you're nuts but i'm saying like you're talking about doubling your salary and, and without incentives, like you just you don't have to you don't have to work extra hard to get that two million like you're there. Right. Um, and I think NIL probably had a little bit to do with it. Not that he doesn't have the money, but the fact that he doesn't have to worry about that as much as he does now, like he's not going to have to do that. And maybe maybe the guy thought he hit his hit, hit the glass ceiling at South Isle. Maybe he doesn't think they can do any better, but he's also resetting the clock. So if he doesn't think he's going to, if he thinks he hit that ceiling, he doesn't think they're going to get any better in the next year or two. He's tired of dealing with NIL. His best friend's going coach at Alabama. He's inviting him to make twice as much money and do a lot less. Some guys will sign me up. And you know what? If he's successful there, then like you said, Jerry, maybe that's an opening for the next P5 job that he could get. Uh, Maybe it's a better path in his mind for, for him to get that P5 job. Maybe it's his agent who's getting paid more and convinced him to go take that DC job at Alabama. A lot of factors go into it. So there's a lot, of, a lot to delve into to try to figure that out. But you're replacing with Major Applewhite and you know what so kind of disaster. Disaster, man. Disaster. Not saying he's a bad coach, but as a head coach, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you've. You look at the history and the problems he had prior to coming to South Alabama and they were playing they were replaying those videos of players fighting each other him getting into it with players it's not a
1: good situation
2: so I kind of I want to feel bad for South Alabama but then again it's South Alabama I'm gonna hate them oh, so I hope they tank
1: <laughs> I'm glad it happened it's hilarious I, I just I hate so at the end of the day I look at the G5 as kind of an extended family right so when something like that happens, I try to walk in their shoes and I just think it's ridiculous. One of their own. That's how they build him when they hired him. He's one of our own. One of their own just said, see ya. I'm going to Bama to be a number three. I, I just don't, I could never. I don't think that I could do that in that situation.
2: Now, let me ask you, let me ask you this. Let's say, let's say in a different timeline in a different universe, Napier doesn't go to Florida. Napier stays here. Napier gets us into the playoff or a new year six game. Let, let's say the playoff. Let's say Napier continues his success. He gets us into an NY6 game instead of Liberty this year. Now he's in the conversation to be the head coach at Alabama. Right? So that just goes to show you chasing that check ain't always what it it it
1: it's cracked up to be in the end. And if I'm an AD that's making the hire, I want a guy that can be a head coach. I want you to show me that you can run an organization. I understand that Bam is big and their brand and all that stuff, but a lot of defensive coordinators fail. A lot of a lot of offensive coordinators fail. Head coaches that experience understanding how to run an organization and be leader of men that that is worth its weight in gold. I mean, again, he's making a million plus at South Al. How much is Kalen DeBoer going to pay him? Two, three million dollars? I just don't think that. If if it if it's because it's a career shortcut, I think he's making a mistake. If he's going out of loyalty to his buddy, maybe that's a different that's cold you know totally different conversation altogether. I just can't believe that you would leave the top G five head coach to go be a coordinator. I, it used to be the opposite. You're
2: right. I don't I don't know, Josh. Look, if I'm making fifty thousand dollars doing this podcast, which I'm not, by the way, this podcast we're all making fifty thousand each then Josh ends up you end up going to ESPN making 3 million and they offer you a Pat McAfee deal and they offer me a million to go guess what i'm going buddy <laughs> see a of review i'm i'm now an ESPN fan so i get it to that extent like you're my buddy and i'll i'll do anything you want you you ask me to go over there i'm going especially for doubling tripling quadrupling my salary 100% so i get both sides of it but i understand what you're saying if i'm the head man in charge I want to be the head man in charge. It's it's really hard, but with a, with a close friend, that's a little bit different. I think that added a little more
0: to that. And again, I think the responsibility, Nick, that you brought up that I didn't think about is NIL, because that entire strategy of being a head coach now, handling NIL, especially when you're at a school like a mid-major like ours or South Alabama's. That changes things right that changes things because now you're almost playing in the role of fundraiser to go raise money for nil to recruit a bunch of players that you don't even know if they're going to stay next year
2: nick saban would be a joe Paterno, well not a joe Paterno, <laughs> but in the sense of he would be coaching till he's 85 years old had this nil thing not happened Because a guy was in control. He could call the shots. He could bully people to go to Alabama. He could bully other coaches. He could have whatever he wants. And guess what? Starting now, he can't do that anymore. So he's like, I'm out. I'm too old for this crap. And I don't blame him. I would be out too. Guys owns how many Mercedes dealerships? He didn't need to coach, but the dude was doing it because he could. And now it's just not worth it to him anymore. He just bought
0: a $17 million house in Florida to go retire in. I mean, I think he's doing just fine. He's won six national titles. What is it? Six national titles at Alabama. I think he's won seven total. I mean, what more does he have to prove? At this point, he was coaching just because he felt like coaching. So I think to, to your point, you have coaches out there that a lot of them, that learning curve in NIL and recruiting is, it's a tough learning curve. And so I think, now, I don't think that's why Wamek went to Alabama, but it could be. I think that it, there is a possibility that that changes things on how you approach recruiting and how you approach your entire business model as a head coach, because now it plays into a huge role. Again, you've got 2,100 D1 players, both in the FBS and FCS levels that are in the portal right now. That means tw- an average of 20% of your roster. Just imagine this for a second. I mean, how many players are on your roster per team? Anywhere from 80 to 100? That means an average of anywhere from 20 to 25 of your players could leave at any time. Some of which are starters, some of which are bench players, some of which are your star players. As a head coach, that would stress me out. That would totally stress me out, especially if I'm a school that doesn't have money or has trouble raising money. That would stress me out. So I get why some of these coaches may be making certain decisions. that may confuse some of us. And honestly, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of that as time goes on and as this whole entire NIL uh, portal world evolves. Speaking of coaching staff, Cajuns actually made a few changes themselves. Uh, offensive line coach Jeff Norwood Departed Louisiana as he headed over to take on his new post at Duke University as the offensive line coach, Coach Nord. Uh, I guess he figured he'd take an opportunity to co coach in the ACC. Best of luck to Coach Nord. Thank you for your time. Also, Coach Galen Scott decided to go coach defense at UTSA. Um, not sure where Coach Scott was from. Maybe he wanted to go closer to home. I don't know if he's from Texas or not, but um, maybe UTSA. Gave him an offer he couldn't refuse. So with that said, Cajuns have two new staff members right now. Uh, New offensive line coach from Syracuse, Coach Steve Farmer, will be heading up the offensive line here at Louisiana. Coach Steve Farmer again from Syracuse. He's also coached at Tulsa, Utah State, ULM, and Texas Tech. And replacing Coach Galen Scott, uh, inside linebacker coach, or new inside linebacker coach, Coach Scott Stoker, will be headed here to Louisiana to coach the uh, defense uh, inside linebackers. If you remember, uh, Coach Scott Stoker was the former head football coach at Northwestern State, uh, I believe, for a couple years back in the early 2000s. I believe we played him a few times uh, when he was at Northwestern State. I actually brought Northwestern State to the playoff, uh, the FCS playoff, a few times. So he actually had a pretty good track record at Northwestern State. Um, And so it's good to have coaches like that with that type of experience, Uh, coaching the Cajuns. Uh, Looking forward to both Coach Farmer and Coach Stoker sporting the Vermilion and White, coaching our athletes. Also, in other news, Coach Jeff Burris. Uh, We lost a good one there. He was uh, one of our secondary coaches. He is headed to Louisiana Tech to become the cornerback coach there. I believe I know right now Coach Dez, he is currently interviewing uh, cornerback coaches or possible cornerback coaches coming to Louisiana. So guys, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, obviously every year there's going to be a little bit of coaching turnover. We really haven't had many since uh, coach Dez took over in the last year, year and a half, but uh, losing these three coaches, what do you guys think? And what do you guys think about these two new replacements who are uh, coming to Louisiana now?
2: Yeah, I'm not going to speculate on on exactly what happened. You would have to assume that there were some tough conversations had with with some of the coaches that were were probably suggested that they may want to take a look elsewhere if they could. So um you know not going to read too much into that. Wish them all the best. Uh and and excited to see, you know, what what the new coaches that they bring in. Look, I never trust trust a farmer, but I uh, guess we'll trust this one coming in. Uh Joe, it's a joke everybody. Joe, don't get crazy. Don't go on raging page and saying I hate Scott Farmer. It was a joke. But it I, I I look. It, we were lucky last year. You could say unlucky. I don't know. Some people will say, "Well, why didn't we lose any coaches? Why didn't they get called up somewhere?" And then other people will say, "Well, we're so lucky to keep the staff." There's no right or wrong answer here. But all I know is I'm going to support the guys that we bring in. Hope for the best. Uh, and and happy to see. You know, everybody kind of knocked as for what coaching connections does he really have in college football as he gets a couple years under his belt, as he starts making developing those relationships, making those connections. It, it's interesting to see uh, where he's pulling from. I know Dave Schultz is super excited. Any Anytime we bring somebody in from Syracuse, Dave is going to be really pumped. So, it, it, look, sometimes sometimes change is good and uh, we'll wait to see if that's the only changes that we have. It is going to be a long spring of course so there could be some other things in the works but you know just wait and see i i don't know i'm not going to say anything negative or positive about it it's it's just going to be a wait and see it's kind of like the recruiting you know you won't really know what your recruiting is until about 4 years from now and seeing the results that's going to be the same with the coaching we're not going to really know until we see the results in the in the fall
1: i remember coach stoker from northwestern and i remember they had some of their best teams uh so that's a good thing I mean, track record matters. Uh, one one thing I'm intrigued about with him is his attitude. He's more of your rah rah type guy, uh, kind of like Coach Hud was. And I find that we've lacked that. Not that it needs to be, you know, prevalent across the entire staff, but I do believe that you need energy guys. Um, Mark Hockey was that energy guy for us on the sideline for many years under Napier. And, you know, I, th- I thought that we lacked that. So I don't know how technically sound he is i don't know how good of a coach he is i don't know how good of a communicator he is but i think that's kind of an interesting thing for me um and then as far as coach farmer not familiar with your work sir uh welcome i hope that you are as good as coach norad because i remain uh resolute in saying that that is a huge almost irreplaceable loss for us one of our best recruiters but one of our best teachers uh so i hope it works out with farmer um, coach Burris, uh, look, we I, we basically called it on the end of the year show that there was going to be a change in the secondary. Uh, there had to be position coach had to change. Uh, look, Burris, they announced Tech announced him like two days after he was let go, so it was probably another job in the works. But I don't think he was going to be retained. Uh, we definitely regressed in the secondary, and I'm not saying the kids got worse. I'm, I'm just saying we were not prepared in the secondary many times this year. Whether that's a position coach problem, whether that's a defensive uh, coordinator problem, I don't know. But there was obvious problems back there. So The other thing is that Coach Galen Scott is one of our best recruiters, and he was very beloved in the locker room. I think that's also going to be a huge loss. I love Coach Giuliani. I think he's also one of our best recruiters and best teachers. I hope he's here for a very long time. I think he could be our defensive coordinator tomorrow if he needed to be. Uh, But as far as the new guys... To be, you know, to be determined. We'll see. Uh, I think there's some things on paper that look good. Obviously, they're very experienced. They've been around. So that's a good thing. And to Nick's point about the connections with Dez, to this point, hadn't had to make a whole lot of changes. Didn't have to make a lot of hires, but here we are. So on paper, it looks fine. Let's go out and execute. Let's get better.
0: For sure. For sure. And it's good that we made the hires uh, early on in the year because – uh now they have time to sort of take in the 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 recruits that we've already signed uh recently plus we have another signing day coming up they can kind of get their feet wet going into spring so it'll be a easier transition rather than having to do a last minute hire and players have to adjust and they have to adjust so i think it was perfect timing for that and uh you've got two well experienced guys and hopefully uh the cornerback coach could follow with that so speaking of football again before we move on uh we want to talk a little bit about the schedule Uh, Louisiana officially not playing Michigan State. Uh, It was stated that uh, the Cajuns in Michigan State had canceled their matchup. That was originally scheduled for September 14th. That will actually be a bye week for Louisiana now. And replacing the Michigan State Spartans, the Cajuns will travel to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, to take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. So we've gone from the Big Ten to the ACC. Cajuns will be taking on Wake on September 28th. And with that said, because of that, the non-conference schedule is officially complete. Uh, and I'll just kind of give a rundown of the non-conference schedule. Um, opening up the 2024 season, Cajuns will host Grambling on August 31st. They'll, the Cajuns will travel to Kennesaw State on September 7th. They'll have a bye on September 14th before Coach John Summerall and the Tulane Green Wave will come to Lafayette to take on Louisiana at cajun field and rounding out again the non-conference schedule louisiana will travel to wake forest on september 28th and of course after that uh the remaining eight games will be Sunbelt conference play i believe that schedule should be coming out sometime in march or april and uh once we get that schedule we'll definitely run through that but uh i don't know about you guys i thought it was a great i really think this is a great non-conference schedule um there's a lot of talks and a lot of back and forth on who did what and why uh Louisiana is no longer playing Michigan State. Uh if you look at some of the news articles, uh it looks like it was stated that Louisiana had backed out of the agreement to play Michigan State. Now, I was told differently. I was told that Michigan State suggested it by some reliable sources that they didn't want to play um us maybe because it was the adjustment of schedule because of the many teams that will be added to the big 10 starting in july 1st maybe they wanted to readjust their schedule but i thought that was interesting and josh you and i had talked about this off the air about um wanting to discuss this i thought that was a little strange um but at the end of the day you know we got a replacement in wait forest and now we just play the games that are in front of us on the schedule
1: i'm happy I'm not happy that... So here's the thing. I have some family and friends that are in East Lansing, and we've been planning for three years to go up there and visit. I'm not thrilled that we don't get to make that trip anymore. However, it will be a little bit cheaper to go to Wake Forest, North Carolina, than it will be to go to Michigan. Um, And also, I like Wake Forest. They're they're, they're small. No, I know they got a ton of money, and they're kind of more of an elite-type college, but that whole area, that whole Tobacco Road area, and that whole... You know, east side of North Carolina uh, is intriguing to me. So I'm going to really try to make that trip. And uh, I, I, I perceive that to be a winnable, middling P5 opponent. I think we can win that game. Um, I, I've, I've always kind of think about when we have these out-of-conference P5s. You always want to get these teams that are they're good. They have some brand recognition. But I, I don't want to get my face stomped in by Bama or Oklahoma. You know what I mean? This kind of represents something that I think our fans can get behind and say, you know what, let's try to make the trip. We feel like we can win that game. We know if it's we know it's an ACC opponent, but it, it doesn't have that air of inevitability with it. You know what I mean? So I'm glad that we replaced the game. Uh, I will say, as we always say, the communication on how it all went down is lacking, and and then it takes only caring to fix the problem. You have media outlets saying that Michigan State, or excuse me, that Louisiana backed out of the Michigan State game, when in fact we know that that's not what happened. There are multiple media reports on the situation, and I just would like somebody in charge of our athletics department, preferably, to go out and get in front of the story and tell the truth, because regardless of how you look at it, it does look bad on us that we we backed out, but also there's a financial incentive. If we cancel the contract, we owe Michigan State $500,000. Half a million dollars in this climate is not good. We still aren't raising a ton of uh, private funds. We still have a stadium to pay for. You know, we're still, NIL is still an issue for us. There's a lot of stuff we have to pay for. So if we're having to fork over half a million dollars to, to change a game or to back out of a contract, our donors need to know the truth on how that happened. Now, we've been told... That there's, I mean, there's a rumor. I don't know how you guys want to frame it, but basically, there's some scuttlebutt out there that there was some sort of deal where uh, we agreed to back out of the contract and no money would exchange hands if the Wake Forest payout would be more. Great. And that's fine. And I'm not trying to make it a scandal or I'm not trying to say somebody's being dishonest. What I am saying is that the communication remains terrible and that you can't just let the media run with a narrative that makes you look or paints you in a bad light. How hard could it be to send out a press release and correct the media narrative? It would have taken 20 minutes. So now you got your donors in limbo wondering what the hell, are we really spending spending half a million dollars on a contract, that we, a game that we were supposed to play? Or what's the deal here? Financially, it's important. And, and I don't think that's too much to ask that you communicate to your donors and your fans what actually happened.
0: Well, it makes us look weak.
1: Because if articles are running and and, and and
0: you know article titles are running that Louisiana backs out, because two of those articles it said Louisiana backs out of deal against Michigan State makes us look bad. It 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 makes us look bad. It 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 tells people that we didn't want to play Michigan State because either we were afraid or we just something about it, it just makes us look bad. So my thing is get in front of it, explain to the public what really happened. Because if they if Michigan State was the one that called us and said, "Hey, can you guys schedule somebody else?" I think that would be fair for us to say, "No, this is not what happened. We didn't back out. They suggested it and so we got Wake Forest instead."
1: And be done with it. Well, not only does it does it correct the narrative, it shows that we're capable of scheduling properly, taking a bad situation and turning it into a good situation. It's 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 positive PR. So instead of the positive PR, which is correct, apparently, by all, everything we're being told, we're getting the negative PR that we backed out of the game. This is where, like, the are they not aware of this? Do they not understand communication and PR? I don't think that they don't understand. I, I wouldn't think that professionals don't understand the media game. So why not correct it? And, and why not let your donors know that you're on top of the situation and you're not pissing away half a million dollars?
2: You know, you know, Josh, what I think it is, is when we were so successful in baseball and, and now again under Deggs, But you think back in our glory years under Robe, we had a chip on our shoulder. And now under Deggs, we have a chip on our shoulder. And when we had a vet, we had a chip on our shoulder. And when we had the other two coaches, God forbid, we had a chip on our shoulder the size of the moon. And And we still, you know, Glasgow, we got a chip on our shoulder. And I don't feel like our athletic department has that chip on our shoulder. I don't feel like our university
1: does. David Walker had a chip on his shoulder, to your point. He did. Yeah, he did. You're right. Hey, we do. I mean, shit, the way that we handle our business, yeah. David Walker never wanted that job.
2: But you know what? When he got in that seat, he kind of liked it, you know? I feel like we need some of that. Look, Michigan State is beating us at the PR battle. And it's not difficult for us to win it. We just have to have that chip. And you see it from other programs in the Sun Belt that when other when other quote Power 5 conferences try to talk smack or do stuff, they they chirp back. And we don't do that as an athletic department. We don't do that as a university. We just stay complacent and for some reason we want everything to be a secret except for the select few that are privy to the information. But you say donors, I say investors, just like, just like a major corporation. We're investors, man, When when things are up, our donations mean more when things are down, they mean a lot less start treating us like investors. I know the art calf calls us investors, but, but every single fan that pays a dollar to attend a game, a dollar to buy a a, a hot dog, a dollar to tailgate. They're all investing in the program. Start treating us like investors and not treating us that somebody a donor that just gives money and you never look there are there are tons of donors for the Salvation Army at Christmas they donate their money and they go about their way we got to stop treating people like we're the Salvation Army and we expect you to give us money just because and walk away and never hear from you again we're investors we're here to stay so appreciate us celebrate us communicate with us it's not that difficult you would end 90% of the negativity quote negativity because you're chall- you're being challenged you would end 90 percent of that if you just communicated with us and talk to us and tell us tell us what's going on there should be a quarterly update to all of the investors the fans the investors should be a quarterly update telling us what what things are are brewing what's what's on the on the landscape why won't you even talk to us about a stupid mascot that we've been screaming
1: about for two years they, these hey, are simple and, things. And when you bring up the fact that they don't market the damn thing, they talk about how, well, we put it on Twitter. Oh, well, why won't you use Twitter or, or, Facebook, or Facebook or any of these other social channels just to give us an update? Which, by the way, you're getting crushed daily on this damn Michigan State thing. Just send out a tweet. Say, hey, actually, what happened was this is this is actually... And it's a better deal for us, and we made this happen on the fly. Look at how great we are. Why can't we do that? We can't do it. They act like they have no medium to do so, but they do it. They, they use... They use all the free medium to part to market, but they don't want to use it to communicate. And and yeah, to your point, if that would happen to App State, they would have a, a that afternoon there would have been a statement out. If it happened to Southern Miss that afternoon, a statement would have been out. Marshall, same thing. We don't operate to your point with a chip on our shoulder, but it's like it's like Dan says, there's nothing raging or Cajun about this administration. The only time they're raging or Cajun is when you are negative. We
2: we give the feedback because we're hoping somebody listens. It's not just negativity, it's feedback. It's stuff that we're hearing. It's not just coming from us three, it's coming from a lot of people. So we have a platform and we communicate that as as a hope that somebody responds, somebody listens, somebody gets it. This is such, so easy, it's easy. You just gotta, like you said, Josh, one tweet fixes it, makes us feel better. We have pride in our program. We want to see our program have pride in itself. That's what I need to see from our athletic department. That's what I need to see from the university. Look, you looked at, at what Alabama did. They were talking about how their enrollment in academics increased from 25000 to 44000 just because of what football did under Nick Saban. And they, pay, they paid a, a crap ton of money to the guy. But I guarantee you, He is the best thing to ever happen academically at Alabama in the history of the school. We can do that, but we've got to stop treating athletics like it's secondary to the university and start treating it like T. Joe said when he came on, it's the front door to the university. We got to
0: get back to that and we got to start having a chip. But when Martin Hall delegates per college or per major or per whatever on campus, you don't really get an inkling as much and it's not as an intuitive or or knowledge-based information it doesn't come as quickly because when you delegate it's okay you go do that you go do that you go do that we're going to take care of what we need to take care of here so they don't have the ears like they should with athletics they don't have the ears like they should with these different departments and different whatever and so a lot of times it's almost like getting mailed through horse and buggy on the organ trail while all the fans are screaming and yelling about blah, 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 blah. Three days later or four days later, the news gets back to them and then they go, huh? Well, maybe it's three or four days past that. Maybe we'll forget. Maybe they all forgot about it by now. We don't have to worry about it.
1: So, I don't uh, buy that, Jerry. We've been screaming. Of, oh, I'm telling
0: but that's what they do. That's, I'm telling you why. I'm not saying it's right. I'm telling you why.
1: On, on, a, on a lot of issues, I would agree, like the mascot thing, we're on day 160. Uh, I don't. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but, 160, right? But, yeah. but but communicating a schedule change that's going to cost us half a million dollars, that's on Brian Maggard. He is the boss of athletics. I don't need to call T. Joe Savoy to send out a tweet to correct a media narrative that makes me look incompetent. Or makes me look like I'm not spending money wisely for my athletic program. That doesn't. That doesn't take calling Martin Hall. That takes telling, like, caring at all. That takes telling an underling, listen, this is wrong, obviously wrong. Our the truth is a much better look PR wise. Send it out. Send out an email. Send out a statement. Do something. That's not on Martin Hall. That's on Brian Maggard and his office. But this is your chance
2: to flex like if they're getting it wrong you could this is your chance to put your name out there get some recognition get some free pub make people laugh about and be like ah they showed michigan state but like i just don't understand why we can't understand the value of communicating to your investors they're the most important people that that to your program they're the people that matter outside of coaches and players that play the game, they're, they're top three of people that matter to your, your success. And if you continually just keep them in the dark and don't tell them what's going on, I told you, Josh, this was the first year in probably 20 that I did not increase my RCAF membership, uh, my RCAF donation. I'm not doing it this year because we continue to be so frustrated but continue to be asked to give more money it's really hard for me to do that when you're not feeling appreciated by the people you're giving money to. But that because, highlights again, I'm an
1: investor. It highlights the point. Why would I give extra money if I perceive that you're wasting it on a schedule? If you're gonna waste half a million dollars on a schedule issue, why would I give you more money? You're not a good steward of the money. So my, my whole problem is, show me that you're wise with our money and I'll be willing to give more not me personally, we, we get plenty, but I'm talking about just the regular lay fan. Like you have an opportunity to A, fix the PR, B, look good, C, not look like you're incompetent with money. Why would you not do it? It's It takes 15 minutes to craft a tweet, send it out. Anyway. Now this, what James is
2: saying is true because if you're not saying anything, then we are as investors,
1: Thinking we just pissed away 500,000. Absolutely. Because the report is correct. And that's what I told Jerry. I said, I said, how much credibility does this athletic department actually have with people? Because here's the thing. You could tell me, well, we didn't back out first. At this point, and I tell Jerry this all the time when we talk. I don't watch what they say. I watch what they do. They can say that they didn't back out all they want. The, the media has reported something. Nobody has sent a correction. So... I mean, if I'm just some regular person that doesn't pay that much of attention, I assume that that is correct and I'm going to go with the fact that you backed out and you paid $500,000 to back out of the game. The fact that we're close doesn't doesn't excuse the issue. Like we had to go dig and find out the answer. But but it's still correct to the point that you haven't corrected it. So in all of our minds it's right. In all of our minds $500,000 was was paid to back out of the Michigan State game until he corrects the, the the record it will be that way regardless of what the truth is because that's what the narrative is now you see josh you just
0: you just create too many scandals man
1: well it's, it's because i'm too negative okay, it's, too it's negative. because i'm negative you know Creating all but that's scandals. it
0: that's what that's what i
1: what i don't like and is, i'm being
0: sarcastic is, by the way to everybody listening i'm I, it's an inside joke but go ahead nick i'm sorry
2: right but what like and josh just said you know we're being too negative the thing is like again like i said if you you it's easily correctable if if you just come out and communicate with us 90% of what we're quote negative about which i'm not i don't even think is negativity i think it's reality i think it's just us having concerns that aren't addressed we're going to continue to chirp about it until someone addresses it and that would take 5 seconds of your time and reduce 90% of the bitching and moaning that we have and when i say we i'm talking about our platform gives us the opportunity to say what other people are thinking within our fan base. It's all about communicating to your investors. Stop talking. To, we're not donors. We're not Salvation Army. We're not $10 and I'm about my way. We're investors. We're here to stay. Communicate with us. Talk to us. Be honest with us. There's nothing more than occasion hates than somebody looking like they're BSing you. Because then you lack the trust. And then once you break that trust, they're done with you. And I think that has a lot to do with the lack of attendance at certain events is because people just don't trust the product. They don't trust the university. They don't trust the athletic department because nobody talks.
0: I'll even go a step further than just BSing, Nick. Lying. People, some people if they're being told different things and the truth comes out that it wasn't the case, aren't you being lied to at that point? So I mean, if, if, if I'm giving money or if I'm donating money or investing in, in the athletic foundation or your athletic department, and you know, you're told one thing and then you come out, you come to find out the truth is completely opposite. I mean, really that's, you're being lied to. So you can't expect donors to give and fans to support if you're lying to them. Now, I'm not saying that's the case in this situation, but to your point, when when they try to give the uh the Baghdad bob mindset that everything is fine as your house burns down you're lying to people that's what you're doing you're lying to people don't lie to people don't lie to people that are paying your bills don't do that
1: rage and cajun crypto
0: i mean you're lying to people because at that point if if i'm being lied to why would i go to your games why would i give more money so so i can be lied to some more that's that's the importance of messaging again I don't think that's intentional for a lot of times, but it just comes off that way when you don't communicate. When you try to be very discreet on how you explain things, like you said, Nick, we're Cajuns, man. Just just talk to us. Be honest with us. Be open with us. Be real. You know, make sure you're clear on your communication. Because honestly, if you're honest about it, and if you're real about it, well, I can. We can be. We're forgiving people too. We can say, okay, you know what, the way it is, the way it is, it happens. Thank you for telling us. Thank you for being honest. I'd rather than mess up and say we messed up and say, hey, look, we're going to try our best to make sure it never happens again. than to just be like, oh, well, you know, you're just being negative for bringing it up. No, man, I'm a paying customer. It's like a restaurant. I always bring it up. I go to a restaurant and get food poisoning. It's not my fault. I got food poisoning. You cook bad food. Don't blame it on me for throwing up in your restaurant, right? It's kind of the same principle here. Well, don't blame me for not coming back. Exactly. Don't blame me for not coming back. Got it. Yep. And on that note, (laughs) as we talked about this long diatribe of this schedule change, again, Cajuns will go to Wake Forest to replace the Michigan State game. Also, in other news, uh, there was a new story that came out inside rager case and athletics season ticket pricing changes for all sports, especially the four major sports where season tickets do exist, which include men's basketball, uh, football, softball and baseball. So the per seat donation that you pay for season tickets will now officially be part of the champions fund. So before, as some of you know, who have season tickets, if you wanted a tailgate spot, if you wanted certain perks, like a parking spot, you had to pay an extra fee to get the tailgate spot or the uh, parking spot. Well now, because of this uh, ticket change, uh, the season ticket prices will pretty much stay the same, but the level of donations of the champions fund will be included Oh, i'm sorry the proceed donation will be included in the champions fund which means you will not have to pay a separate uh price for a tailgate or a um or a parking spot so uh yeah your per seat donation will now count as part of the champions fund um i think that's pretty beneficial i think a lot of fans when they actually see the pricing model which by the way should be coming out pretty soon i mean I mean, we've always talked about saving money. I think this is a good way to do it if now you're including uh, your per-seat donation as now part of the Champions Fund, which will also give you a better chance of an incentive for tailgate and and parking. Uh, Josh, we've always talked about that. And I guess I guess that's a step in the right direction, man.
1: Well, I'm, you're going to have to explain that to me like we're five because it still doesn't really make a lot of sense. So basically what you're saying is is they're supplementing the cost of the ticket and then adding it to the what you get credit for on the PSL
0: the per seat donation is now actually going to be credited to the champions fund whereas in the past you had to pay a separate amount for the champions fund to get a tailgate or a
1: parking spot wait wait hang on a second so the donation that you were mandated to give on the season ticket purchase was not counted toward it was not correct Are it you was, was only counted
0: it was counted as a priority. I think it was counted as priority points slash um, RCAF. Like it counted as the RCAF, but it wasn't counted in the Champions Fund, if that makes any sense.
1: So tell me the different, and I'm speaking on behalf of people that probably don't follow this very good. The Champion Fund and the General uh, Fund separate. Yeah. So what was included in the Champions Fund credit? Obviously the PSDs were not. I said PSL but it's PSD. So
0: basically if you wanted to buy things like a tailgate spot or a parking spot, you had yeah. to give a minimum to what was called the Champions Fund.
1: Okay. And per seat donation. Do you know what those were?
0: Uh like for example, I mean I'm looking at this right now. If you wanted say you wanted to park in lot E where I parked, you had to give 250 to the Champions Fund in order to get the $60 parking pass. So you pay 250 $2. from
1: the general fund donation.
0: Correct. So you would have to pay two fifty plus a sixty dollars for a pass, and that's and and whatever you paid for your per seat donation did not was not included in that champions fund, which gave you that incentive. So now, what you pay for the per seat donation, let's say for instance you have to pay, you buy your season tickets, it's another 100, 150 bucks per seat in the per seat donation. At one time that was not counted towards the champions fund. Now it will be counted towards the champions fund, which will allow you to buy um, other perks such as tailgating and parking.
1: I'm thrilled that they fixed that. But I got to tell you, I didn't know that. And I bet, I bet a lot of other people didn't know that either. And we wonder why we don't have season ticket buyers and tailgate purchasers. And that is ridiculous. So I was before this fix, which by the way, shout out to whoever did it. I'm sure it was Brandon. Shout out to you. So you're telling me before, <laughs> oh God, before when I was mandated to give money to the RCAF via. Season ticket purchases that didn't even go toward the amount that I gave privately to be able to get parking and tailgating. Wow. Yeah, so
0: basically the the per seat donations they did count towards their total investment. Priority-wise. Priority-wise, but it did not count towards the champions fund. So it was a totally separate entity. Now they're combining it to where you won't have to give. So for example, if I buy If I have four season tickets in football and four in baseball, that's about $1,300 per seat donations. At one time, that was not part of the Champions Fund. Well, now it will be part of the Champions Fund. And just by that alone, just because I give to that, that adds up, I I mean, if I wanted a lot B pass, which is $3,000 to the Champions Fund, now I don't have to pay an extra $3,000. Now I can pay the difference of that, which is 1,700 extra dollars. So I'm saving cost to get those perks that I wanted before, Or, like a tailgate spot, a lot of times the Champions Fund per space, if I wanted an RV lot, which was $1,200, that per seat donation will actually pay for the RV lot instead of having to pay a separate $1,200 to get an RV uh, spot for tailgating.
1: Well, we hate money. I mean, I don't know how I didn't know that. I I just, I didn't realize that, but but it's a great fix and kudos again. But the natural question behind that, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, how are they going to supplement that extra income? Is there a plan in place? Are they going to charge for parking? Can you buy individual game tailgating again? Like what
0: that part I, I was told uh the new the entire pricing model is going to be coming out pretty soon with all of the price scheduling and everything now. Once that's clarified, I'll go ahead and get some clarity on it and um I'll be sure to share it with everybody here. So everybody can have an understanding of what it is because it's probably a big rollout. It's going to be some changes. But again, if that look again, like I just mentioned, if you have four season tickets in baseball and football and your per seat donation totals around $1,300, you know, the $1,200 you would have to pay for an RV spot at football would I mean, you save you money now. Granted, I don't know. Now, I will say this: I don't know if they cross sports there. Like, I don't know if the full fourteen hundred or thirteen hundred dollars would apply to the RV spot for football. Maybe it might. Maybe it might not. I don't know. But let's say half of that, right? Let's say half of thirteen hundred. That's six fifty, right? Let's say it doesn't. That means that's six hundred and fifty dollars worth that will already go towards what you would pay to get an RV lot for the Champions Fund that otherwise you would have had to pay extra on before. So you're saving about six hundred bucks, just right there by the new model. Great, um,
1: great which is for great, the fan, and the no, way it great. should be because the other the other model is insane. But I just wonder how they're going to supplement the income because for, as an athletic department, I mean, we're already six million in the hole. How are they going to supplement? I'm just curious about what the plan is, and I guess they didn't really address it in the release, but uh, something that we can talk to our contacts about uh, and maybe talk about it. A uh, shout out to Mike, by the way. He says that uh, now your entire champions. Champion fund payment is tax deductible wasn't in the past. So that's a big difference. Well,
0: also to Josh, I think it kind of plays into what we've always talked about. Hopefully this pricing model that will be coming out, I hope that it can actually attract more people. Because remember, what was the biggest argument of why fans aren't showing up besides the ESPN plus argument? It's too expensive, right? I'm not getting my bang for my buck. It's too expensive. I'm being priced out with a family of three family of four, right? I mean, Josh, you're, you're, you've got a, you've got a wife and kids, right? It's expensive. I think now this model can actually play into the fact that maybe it could be affordable for more people with a family of four, you know, if they want a tailgate spot, if they want season tickets, you know, $500. Difference six hundred dollar difference goes a long way. Here. Well, that's
1: a tailgate spot, right? That's right. that's a tailgate spot. And look, I don't necessarily think it's all that more expensive. I think that the argument is that the product doesn't match the price. I think that's the argument. Because I've all at the end heard- of the day, you know, one hundred twenty bucks to have a four hour event really not all that expensive. But when you're standing in line half the game and there's nothing for the kids to do and yada, 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 that's when it becomes an issue. I think that the product has got to match the price. So that is – I'm glad that this is happening. And I I bet you there are more than just me out there that go, hey, I didn't realize that was even a thing.
0: Right. I've also heard that uh, tailgate – be on the lookout. Tailgate prices may change as well for the better
1: hallelujah like i said
0: i don't want to i don't want to come out starting rumors but i do know that the new pricing model is going to affect tailgate costs whether it's good or bad we're gonna see but if it blends in with this model maybe fans could be happy now again i'm gonna go ahead when the model comes out because i know when people read it some of them may be confused on what all of this means even i had to ask a few questions about it But I will do my best to get clarity on it. So the next time the model does come out, I'll be able to come on here and explain it to everybody. And hopefully, once the clarity is explained, fans will be happy and say, you know what, maybe this is something we can get behind. And and I'm glad they're doing it now because with the new stadium being built, it's better to do it now than to wait at the last minute in 2025 when that first game is played in the new stadium. I'm glad they're doing it now because at least going into this season where things are going to be looking a little different. They can actually implement the model and see how it works because i know there's a lot of different uh, situations where you're playing in a stadium that's not going to be fully completed so might so as well boomer, do a trial run
2: let me let me ask you this boomer if you could for next episode go ahead and put together a powerpoint presentation to show us exactly what we're talking about because I, tu- I tuned you out about 10 minutes ago when you started talking about this shows and when you started comparing <laughs> them i was like i'm out i don't know what what the hell they're talking about so do a little powerpoint Charles. we can put that I'll on it. here share it and then we could uh show everybody what we're talking about. i might about.
0: try to i might maybe we can get a special guest to explain it to us i mean there I'll, you I'll go see what i can do yeah there you i'll go. see what i can do i'll try to work my magic but um but look i mean we've talked about this for a long time and so hopefully they've, they've listened to the fans well enough to where once this model comes out people will be happy let's just hope let's just hope that's the case right uh anyway guys also too just a heads up, I know I mentioned it earlier, but season ticket information is out for Cajun Field. Of course, we're playing in a stadium that's not going to be fully complete. I want to take a guess and say that maybe they might have around twenty to 25,000 in seating capacity this year. Um, so that's going to change um, the entire model on where you sit. Uh, they're moving the student section to the southeast, southeast corner. Uh, the visitor's section will be in the northeast corner next to the hill. Uh, and most of your premium seating will be on the student side in those three or four sections where the red zone is, which is why they're moving the students over to the corner. I believe the Pride of Acadiana Band will be in the corner as well. No, the Pride of Acadiana Band will actually be in the end zone, and uh, single-game-only tickets will be applied to the hill, which is where I'll probably be with Allie and, and Kayla as she runs up and down the hill. It'll be pretty fun to watch the game from there with the way the, the setting is all set up. The uh, house. Also... Yeah, exactly, man. I've I've learned to fall in love with the hill the last year or so. Also, don't, too, to,
2: don't throw your football over the over the
0: shaws because no, that causes that. problems. Yeah, it causes problems. That. Bring exactly. your bring your cardboard box so you can slide <laughs> slide down. Also, too, there is a new parking. Um, there is a new parking chart up. Uh, once again, our efforts to try to charge for general parking has failed. Came up short. Uh, they're going to be charging for parking all along the lots. Uh, you'll see anywhere from the tailgates, the RV lots to lots B, C, D, and E all have a champions fund minimum. The price per pass for most of them will be uh, $60, but because of the construction, they will be moving some lots. For example, C and D will be moved back. Uh, lot B will be at the uh, in a smaller area off of West Congress, and Lot E, believe it or not, will be at, at on the side of Cajun Dome Boulevard, which... Um, I mean honestly i'd probably prefer the park there next year anyway because we're going to probably be sitting on that side so uh i'm not really going to fuss about parking this year it is a little bit different because of the construction uh i'm willing to give it another year and see what happens for 2025 once the stadium's built, how they're gonna handle parking. This year's a little bit different because of the construction. So I'll let it go. I'll throw my diatribe out for a little bit, but I'll let it go this time
1: around. Good. Can we get done with the infomercial and start talking about what the people wanna hear? Chairman Let's Marlin and the boys won by like 37 points tonight.
0: We're gonna get to it. We're gonna get to it. Do y'all wanna talk basketball first? Do y'all wanna talk baseball, softball? I figured we'd wait until the game was over before actually yakking over basketball. You're good. Okay. Well let's get to it all right so I'll bring up women's basketball first we'll talk about that briefly and then we'll go right Hooray. into men's basketball I'll be quick all right women's <laughs> basketball look they got a big win in Arkansas state the other day that uh, was I'll win. give you that that yeah. was a very huge nice come behind battle yep huge comeback win they won the game 64 to 63 the Cajuns now sit at six and eight overall two and three in conference play since we last spoke. Uh, they have three losses to App State, JMU, and Troy, but they were able to win a few on the road against Old Dominion as well as Arkansas State. Uh, they will be back in action tomorrow night, which is a Thursday. They will host ULM in the Cajun Dome at 6 p.m., uh, and they will also host Troy this weekend on Saturday at 2 p.m. Both games will be on ESPN+. You can listen on the Varsity Network, uh, 103.3, as well as uh 14 20 a.m and of course both games this weekend at the cajun dome will be free all right men's basketball cajuns play texas state tonight uh since we since we have last talked uh the cajuns are four and three on the hardwood they've had wins against rice coastal carolina as well as arkansas state they've had losses against marshall jmu and troy uh, with this win tonight, the Cajuns defeat Texas State by the score of 86-68, to rounding their record now to 10-8 and overall, 3-3 in conference play. And um, it was pretty much a dominant game tonight. I was able to watch a little bit as we were talking. Um, just a complete game overall. Cajuns were over 50% from the field. Uh, they weren't weren't as hot at, from three-point range, but they did make 10 three-pointers tonight. One thing I find about Cajun losses this year is anything below six or seven three-pointers, they usually lose. But tonight, they were 10 for 26 from the three-point line, whereas Texas State was one for 13. That was a big difference maker. Uh, Cajuns were also eight for 12 from for, from the free throw range or free throw line and they were only out rebounded by two so that's a win in my book with the way the cajuns have lacked in rebounding this year uh just to kind of talk about some lead scores real quick um cajuns were led by mr kobe julian 18 points three assists and six rebounds of course karen crow joe still on a hot streak 10 rebounds eight points one assist and two from two for six from three point range Hosanna Katenje finding his groove. Looks like he's been on a roll. 11 points, two assists, five rebounds. And also got to give a shout out to famous folks doing his thing. 13 points, uh, 10 assists, five rebounds. And of course, Kentrell Garnett, 11 points. And he was uh, three for seven from three point range. So that's two in a row for the Cajuns on the road. Uh, and uh, yeah, guys, it was a very dominant win tonight. Probably one of the more dominant wins we've seen all year, uh, especially on the road against uh, an in-conference foe in Texas State.
2: So before you go, Josh, cause I know nothing about basketball. First of all, I know nothing about basketball, but I told you Hosanna was going to be the man this season. And Jerry, you were like, oh, well, you know, he's got a lot of growing up to do. Well, whatever, well, he did. whatever, he did. well, guess he what he did, come he, on grew he up did. fast and he's the man. Okay. So I said that not knowing basketball, secondly Daboot said we would go five and zero, and guess what we're two and zero since he said we would go five and zero. so i'm just saying i'm starting to believe in the boot that he has some kind of crystal shawls at his house that he looks in back into barry and says what is cajun's basketball gonna do and they do it so i i don't know i'm i'm buying into what the boot is saying these days
1: you heard it here on raising review Deboot is a witch all right uh, <laughs> look I'm gonna I'm gonna do something that probably nobody's expecting I'm gonna give Marlon some credit here you know uh shout out to faux Marlon with the great hilarious <laughs> content uh chairman Marlon is what I'll be referring to him uh henceforth but uh listen you gotta give him credit they've they've adjusted how they play basketball the offense is now running almost exclusively through the paint in Katanje. Katanje, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that but um. Uh, Look, feed the big man, dude. I mean, feeding the the big man still works in 2024. That that type of offense, look, we don't we don't have a lot of motion in our offense. We don't do a whole lot of stuff. We don't run a lot of screens. Not a not a ton of pick and roll, but that high pick and roll with him and uh Garnett works because it'll, you know, the the pop shot with Kentrell Garnett more often than not gets him open. And when he's open, he makes it. So, look, <laughs> I don't know what the ceiling is for this team, but I will say this. You have to give the coaching staff credit for adjusting what they wanted to do. I assume that they went into the season thinking they were going to have Jordan Brown and they had a certain idea of how they were going to look offensively. Obviously, that didn't happen. I think a lot of guys were new, young, learning the system, yada, 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 whatever excuse you want to throw out. It's very obvious that they're trying to forge an identity and... I think that it's basic and fundamental, and we can laugh at it, but at the same time, there's a lot of teams that we play that don't have an identity. So you got to give Marla some credit on that. I will say this. um, I can't tell you maybe four or five years. This is the most defensively active basketball team we've had here in a long time. Their effort is there every time they step on the court. And uh, I I won't try to pretend like I didn't watch the first four or five games of the year. I probably started paying attention more intensely, McNeese, probably about McNeese. There's not ever a time they take the floor where you say that the effort wasn't there. They always come out and play hard. Uh, regardless of how talented they are, they play hard. They give 100% effort every single time out. So I, gotta, I, I got to say, you know, shout out to Chairman Marlin and the, and the assistants. Shout out to the effort. The guys are making plays. Kobe Julian looks like he's starting to play some big-time basketball. I like Katenji. He changes the makeup of what we are as a basketball team. And anytime you have a real inside presence, look look at what we did last year, anytime you have a legitimate inside presence, you can compete with anybody. I thought we should have won the JMU game. I still say with a competent officiating crew, we do win that game. Uh, you know, those bums, those overrated bums who have shown to be overrated since the game. Shout out JMU. We told you who you were. Uh, Dennis Green voice. Uh, we knew who they were. But But look, I, I I'm 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 all in on this group. I love the effort. I love the effort. We, we you know we've made our peace with Marlon. We everybody knows where we stand. You still got to be able to give professionals credit when they do their job. Marlon's doing his job. They've evolved as a basketball team. Shout out. I mean, uh, you know, kudos to them.
2: By the way, before you go, Jerry, I just want to say, can we whoever the basketball SID is, could we get word out to visiting radio and TV guys that it's not colby julian it's julian like we're not julianing fries it's julian it's it's simple just like it's freaking spelled that drives
1: me nuts why do people try to make things more complicated than they are it's julian because any look look at our last names all right name a time where somebody said your last name and they didn't try to put the accent in the wrong spot oh dude i, I they put what a they Q do in my name all the time <laughs> yeah jogger like what what just Say it the way it's spelled, dude.
0: Relax. Yeah, Andy's got a good point. Josh giving Marlin credit and multiple shout outs to Daboot. Yeah, 2024 started off with a bang for sure.
1: Da Boot is like the mutt that you picked up out of the litter and he's wiggled his way into our hearts. That's what he is. I mean, come on.
0: Hey, the man can shoot some free throws too now. Eventually, eventually, we're going to be seeing that showdown between Man About Town and Da Boot. I it's gonna think
1: Daboot's ass.
0: It's going to happen, man. It's going to happen. When we have some time, it's going to happen. And Razor Review will be there for the (laughs) play-by-play. But it was. look, I'll say this. I I think in the last two games, what we've seen with this team is a complete team, right? The losses we've had, we've had to depend so much on the three-pointer. And one thing we've learned is we've lived and died by the three so far, right? Anything less than six or seven three-pointers, we're not going to win the game. But when you have... Hosanna Contingé coming in and supplement the inside presence and even Joe Charles. I've even said Joe Charles needs to be somebody besides rebounding to go up down the lane and hit some layups and he's done that. He's made some three-pointers. When you have that to compliment guys like Kobe Julian, of course, Kentrell's is going to be the three-point shooter. When he's on, when Kobe's on and, and because, and Thamus is on, those two, Thamus and, the thing about Thamus and Kobe, when they're able to move down the lane and be as smooth as they are, it opens everything else up. When Kentrell starts hitting the three, when it sets up the inside game for, 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 for Hosanna, it all just blends in. And I think we've seen that these last two games. I, I've noticed we've seen that these last two games. When they play as a complete team, they're unstoppable. And I'm hoping going into South Alabama this weekend that they can bring that same type of energy because if they're able to do that, I think we have, what, a four or five game homestand after that? that's going to be huge. You can actually make a runoff of
1: that. Yeah, you can make a move in the league. And if we want to get in the weeds just real quick, like you look at a Joe Charles, right? I, I don't know if Joe is physical enough to be a down-low, banging, power-forward four. I don't think that that's his game. But you can look at Joe as a, a Euro four where he can stretch the floor and fix your spacing issues. And he can open up the offense. And I think that it's it's become a little bit more defined over the last few games. And I think the fact that... The offense is starting to get better, as Ryan said. The offense is starting to gel. One of the reasons why is because he's had a more defined role. You look at Themis. I I don't know what happened with Themis over the last couple of games, but he started turning the basketball over too much. And tonight he didn't do that. Sometimes it is just that simple. Stop turning the basketball over. Stop making bad decisions. Sometimes we start to speed it up and we get out of control and we make bad decisions. It happens. Um, You look at Hardy off the bench. I think Hardy's an X-factor. He's physical. He can shoot. He, he is a good passer uh, in transition. I like the way he gets out in front. So I think that you put all those things together. Katanjay's is getting better, and he knows, his, he knows his identity. There are a lot of guys that have kind of stepped their game up. They fit into their role, and, and the team is forging an identity. And I don't even look at the results. I'm not even looking at the wins and losses. I'm looking at what I see on the floor, and what I see on the floor is maximum effort and identity and some adjustments. You got to give kudos to the, to the offense. i mean, excuse me to the uh, coaching staff and to the players for both of those things. They obviously like playing together. I like Julian a lot. The thing about Julian is that he possesses the talent to go up against anybody's best player in a tournament situation. Uh, you know, win or go home situation. He's going to provide you that talent, that level of that elite player, especially if he's feeling good down the stretch. So that's great. Um, I don't know, man. I, I know a lot of these teams are ass that we've been playing, so I don't really look at the results based on who we're playing. I'm just trying to find something on the floor that I can be uh, uh, optimistic about going forward. And and look, to Jacob's point, I know he didn't play the last couple of games, but I'm saying leading up, well, I think the last time I saw him play was Coastal. So did he get... I think he got injured at the end of Coastal, maybe after that. Um, to the point of Coastal, he was starting to hit his stride. and. I still think that he's your X factor off the bench. He brings a lot to the floor.
2: Well, I think, look, for me, again, as a casual non-basketball fan, it doesn't feel like streetball anymore. Like, it looks like they actually, I, I don't know if that's just me looking as a non-basketball person or if if people who are basketball people see this too, but it just doesn't feel like streetball. It looks like they have a game plan. It looks like, again, Hosanna, feed the big man. Like you said, it, it looks like they're doing that. It looks like. We, we're not living and dying by the three as much as we were earlier in the season. And, um, you know, as you said, got to give maybe credit to the coaching staff that they're making adjustments and realizing that they can't win that way, uh, you know, the entire season. They, 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 There's no way. I mean, no no team can just rely on the three and then have nothing else. And it looks like they're making some adjustments, and that makes me happy.
1: Well, look, we never said that Marlon is a total bum. We said he's average. So when you're average, you get it right sometimes. So, you know, you got to gotta get ready. You gotta give him kudos when he gets it right sometimes. Look, let me make the comment. And, Andy said a great thing. He's talking about how Michael Thomas has been coming off the bench and has been real solid. The fact that they moved him to the two, and I, maybe he's still playing some spot point guard, but when he moved to the two, and uh, I think it was against Troy that he had a real strong game, uh, but I might be misremembering. Shout out Roger Clemens. Anyway, his play at the two has been a big difference maker for me. Um, so if he can keep making threes and, and keep making good decisions with the basketball, absolutely. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say about basketball before we move on, I know you guys want to move on. How do we feel about Jay's nickname for, or not nickname, but his catchphrase for Hosanna uh, when he dunks it, or when he makes a nice play or a block, he says Hosanna in the highest. How do we feel about that?
2: <laughs> the the same way I feel like when he said the prophet Elijah, like, <laughs> It's just but it's it's, like he it's workshopped it on the air. It's a radio look, the guy from Troy, when they score a touchdown, they say touchdown, men of Troy, which I think is the dumbest thing ever. We had Todd Hamilton years ago when when they get a slam dunk, he'd say "Slammo." Like it's just a radio thing. I I don't I don't know. I, I don't buy into all that stuff, but Hozan that that's a little corny.
1: You know, I have some irreverent humor, so I, I thought I was like, <laughs> at first it was like it's funny because it's gonna piss people off and then yeah, but it's kind of cheesy at the same time. So I'm trying to figure out where I fall on that.
2: I
0: don't know.
1: You gotta it's play just with the innuendos
0: a little bit. Yeah, you gotta play with it a little bit. I love Jay's donkey very much. donkey very much is something I grew up with with Jay. So I i appreciate that. Hosan in, in the highest. I mean, look, if the man if the man's doing stuff that helps us win, I don't care. Right? I don't care. Hosanna in the highest, say it all you want. If the, if the man helps us win, by all means. Cajuns will go to South Alabama on Saturday. They'll tip off at 3 o'clock. You can watch the game on ESPN+. Listen on 96.5 KPEL. Got a chance to go three in a row before that homestand. So uh, best of luck to the guys. Hopefully safe travels and uh, bring back the dub after Saturday. So, like I said early in the episode, guys, Diamond Sports, less than a month away. Raging Cajun softball officially underway uh, in less than 20, or in 22 days, I believe. Practice has started. Uh, they're officially practicing now, getting ready for the season. Coach Jerry Glasgow and the ladies trying to do what they did last year, not only making the postseason, but making a run at the postseason. Uh, again, they will open up at home at Lamson Park on Thursday, February 8th. Uh, first pitch will be at 6 p.m. against Chattanooga. Believe it or not, our good friend Greg Larnard is now a member of the coaching staff at Chattanooga. So it'll be kind of a homecoming for Greg. I know Greg, unfortunately, had uh, lost his gig at the local radio station down there. Really glad to see he was able to get back on his feet and, um, you know, go into the coaching world. So congratulations to Greg. And, um, you know, maybe we'll see him when he comes back to uh, to Lafayette for that that weekend.
2: Yeah, and I hope he goes home sad because we kicked their butts. So, uh, exactly, but no, yeah. congratulations to Greg. That, that's awesome. And this is when I start really getting geeked up about the spring sports because you start getting that crisp in the air. You start getting that smell in the air, get that feeling, you know, the butterflies in your stomach. And I don't know, man, I'm starting to get geeked up. And then you're coming to Houston for, for the, the classic. So, this is a fun time of year. I'm looking forward to it.
0: I was. I was telling a friend earlier today that, you know, while the rest of the country pouts because football season is ending, I'm ecstatic because of the diamond sports, whether it's softball or college baseball. I love college diamond sports in general. And I've grown to love it. You hate basketball? No, but I have a passion. I do have a, I've grown a passion for, for college baseball. I'm going to be honest with you. Like I love having the weekday games. I love the weekend series. I love everything about the atmosphere, the Teague. Um, I enjoy, believe it or not, listening to the game on the radio or watching the game on TV. I can do both. Um, I, I really enjoy seeing what our teams can do on a national stage because we've kind of adopted this standard, in both baseball and softball, where we compete against the best of the best and go toe-to-toe with them and beat them that's what gets me a little excited look basketball is making a a decent run right now i'm excited about that there's no doubt but there's something about college baseball that just gets me fired up to nick's point and um you know i guess i guess because spring's coming you know the the beautiful weather outside and after this you know north pole arctic freeze that just came through uh i'm looking forward to seeing what this what these teams can do um i know coach glasgow and his staff they were not satisfied with the season ending in Washington, the way that it did last year, I know they're going to be making a run for Oklahoma city. Uh, But I wanted to talk a little bit about baseball Um, baseball again, opens up two days after Valentine's day, February 16th, opening night at the Teague against Wright state first pitch at six o'clock. You know, we've got new turf, a lot of expectations. You know, I think, I think the standard of raging Cajun baseball is finally getting back to what we've always wanted Two straight regionals. Uh, competing more on a national stage. You're in a really good conference with these four teams added in. You've created some rivalries with some of these teams like Southern Miss and Coastal, South Alabama, of course. And unfortunately, with, with the departure of Coach Jake Wells, you were also able to bring in Coach Gunnar Leje. It's pretty cool calling him coach now, but Gunnar Leje now is the pitching coach. There's a lot of expectations on the mound for Louisiana that are there. And even though we lost guys like Julian Brock and Carson Rockefeller I, I feel like the Degs hitting system is going to be able to be adapted by even some of the newcomers. Like his hitting system, to me, I feel like there's an easier learning curve for the players that he recruits, that he brings in. And I feel like if the, 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 the hitters can adjust to, to the, new, the new players, the newcomers who are hitters can adjust to that, complementing our pitching regime, through gunners coaching i don't know about you guys but i think this team can be really dangerous if they click at the right time so i i'm I'm fired up I'm, i'm ready for some cajuns baseball what do you guys think
2: look i think i think when you consider the fact that you've got one or two teams in the Sun Belt that are in the top 25 and you're playing a schedule that includes top maybe 10 teams in the in the second weekend Or the the second series of the of the season, you've got a solid core of of players returning offensively and defensively. And you've got some. Look, how how many seasons have we been talking about? We didn't have any true starters. And now we feel like we've got some true starting pitchers, not some relievers we're trying to convert into starters. We've got some true starting pitchers. You've got Thibodeau that's gonna be Tib is gonna be focused on defense. You know, Degs is going to be focused on offense. We got a true pitching coach this year. Look, I'm a, I'm a buy on this team. I think this is going to be a good team. I think they're going to get better as the season goes on. That being said, we can't get ahead of ourselves and be upset if we go 0 and 3 in the in the the Houston Classic, right? And that's going to be a very very tough you know tournament, three game tournament for us to go through. Now, do I expect us to win some games? Absolutely. But again, taking L's early in the season against top competition in the country can only help us as the season goes on. So I think it's going to be another season of us trying to find ourselves in the bullpen. I think our starting pitcher pitching will probably have to try to figure out who's our true Friday, Saturday, Sunday starter. Offensively, I'm not worried. Defensively, I'm not worried. I think the question mark is going to be not if we have the talent in our pitching staff, it's going to be where they all fit. I think that's going to be take some time to adjust. But then again, you typically see the hitting ahead of the pitching early in the season. I think we're going to see that this year. So we're we're going to take our lumps early in the season, but don't let that, I guess what I'm trying to say is don't let that kind of make you foresee what the rest of the season is going to be. I think we're going to continue to get better as the season progresses.
0: What's funny is is that you know, of course, we played the fall ball matchup in Baton Rouge and some of their fans were, I know they beat us by a combined score of 14 to three and their fans, of course, were celebrating. No, not fans. Game. They're podcasts. Let's, let's get that yeah, right. They were, they Southeastern they grads were, excited about yeah, us throw, throw, throw cel- They Throwing, celebrating, popping champagne at a practice game. But leading up to the ninth inning in that first matchup, I believe the score was like one to one. And this is against the defending national champions and your pitching staff, some of which are new gave up one run until the eighth or ninth inning. When I think and I think they ended up scoring three or four runs after that. But if you're doing that against that that team and you look at some of the teams we play on our schedule and you're able to do that with your starting your starting rotation, I'll take that all day. Because you know the hitting's going to complement it. You know hitting with the deck system will catch up with it. So it's almost like I bring up the analogy of the Sean Payton offense, right? When, the, and of course, oh, how we long for the days of Sean Payton again, right? But like when Sean Payton's offense was clicking, you, you always the, the success of the Saints always depended on whether or not he had a good defensive coordinator to to back him up, right? You could score forty five points if you're giving up fifty, you're still losing the game. Well, that's how I feel about this particular staff. I feel like we had the offense; we just needed some consistency and um, pitching. I think we got that now with Gunner. He's basically adopting the Tony Robichaux philosophy which that's pretty awesome that he's bringing Rob's system back but at the same time he knows how to communicate with those players. I think there's going to be a lot of I think there's going to be a lot of surprises for fans when they see what we have on the mound. That's what I've heard. So I'm all about that.
1: I'm not going to get too detailed because I want to save it for the Kendall Rogers episode, but I'll give some overviews and some some thoughts as we stand now. Anytime you replace a major leaguer and Carson Rockerfort is a bona fide major leaguer, that's concerning. I mean, there's concern there. Anytime you replace a an experienced team leader and backstop like Julian, that's a major loss. No matter I know Torres is very well thought of, and I know he's supposed to be an elite catcher. I understand that. But you're replacing somebody that the guys rallied around, they trusted, they looked up to. He was a presence in the locker room. the The good thing is, or the the what's you know something to be optimistic about is Kyle DeBarge is a bona fide superstar now. He's the perfect game, All American, National All American. Last time we had an All American at the shortstop position, we were pretty damn good. We will remain quality on the defensive side with, uh, uh. Big John, uh, just my brain just went nuts. Big John at second base. John Taylor, excuse me. John at second base, Debo. This Torres kid is supposed to be the real deal defensively. Uh, I understand he can hit two, but defensively is supposed to be where he's really going to make a, a mark on the team. You guys know I'm a catcher. I'm always going to look at the catcher. I'm going to evaluate the catcher more than anybody. You got to have a backstop that can quarterback the team. I'm thrilled about that. Connor Higgs is back. Connor Higgs looks to be a middle of the order bat. He is good in center field. Uh, I don't know how good, I don't know if he's going to be as reliable as Carson Rockerfort, but I trust him and believe in him. Having said all that, Jack Martinez is the name to remember because he's your Friday night starter. It's not even a question. Um, from what I've been able to gather from talking about or talking to certain folks, he is your Gunnar Leger, where the circle change and the change is, is his A-pitch, his out-pitch. His tunnel is about as good as Gunner's was, but he also throws 95-96. So, and, and, and there's more I could say, but I'll, I'll save it to where we can discuss it with Kendall. He is your Friday night guy, and I thought early in the season last year, one of our biggest issues is that we struggled to get off to a good start on Friday nights. The fact that we had a revolving door on Friday nights hurt the momentum of the team. We never were settled. We didn't have a tone setter. Um, uh, The the transfer from Florida State, who ended up being really good down the stretch, and I don't know if we ever figured out how to say his name, uh, but but I'll just call him the transfer from Florida State for now. Uh, But anyway, he showed in the Miami Regional that he could pitch. And I think that you have a bona fide guy on Saturday night. When he started to incorporate the change up and it was an effective out pitch, he became a real threat. Uh, so you got that in the, in the mix. And think about all the guys that contributed throughout the course of the year. Sure, we have some transfers and we have some new guys, but don't forget Blake Marshall's back for year number six. I mean, can, can you imagine what that, that guy's been through and what he's he's succeeded and he's had injuries and he had to fight through some stuff? He's back. David Christie showed signs. He showed signs all year. Uh, his whole career here, I think that he's poised to, to maybe not necessarily be a starter, but he can, he can contribute in many different ways. Uh, There are a bunch of names that you guys are going to remember that we kind of forgot as the season kind of finished. But I would much rather be in a position where we felt really secure on the mound and we thought that maybe hitting was going to be what we had to work on throughout the course of the season than the opposite. We know Dex is going to figure it out. We know a Luke Juhasz is going to figure it out. We know Caleb Stelly is going to figure it out. We know these young guys are going to come in And even though they don't have a ton of hacks, they're going to figure it out. Especially with guys setting the tone like Higgs and and Debo, right? And John Taylor. And there are a few others. Uh, You know, Mason Zambo supposedly had a a great fall. But corner bats are going to be there. There's a guy at third base they really love. And we'll talk more about that later. We have pieces in place. The question is, is how fast do they come together? How do we navigate the schedule? Can we stay healthy? But I think that on the mound, we're as good as we've been. Since Tony,
0: well, you were you mentioned uh, Jackson Nezu. That's who you were talking about. Florida State. He's no longer on the team. I think he went to the draft, or did he leave?
1: I I, Um, I don't see him on the roster here. I'm
0: pretty sure he's back. I
1: I don't see him on here, but he was was in the fall report. So we'll have to talk to Kendall about that.
0: But with that said, I mean, I'm just going to go through the roster real quick as far as pitchers go. I mean, let's be honest. We got David Christie coming back, Blake Marshall coming back. We've got, uh, of course, Jack Martinez that you were talking about. He's going to be the Friday night guy. You've got uh, Chase Morgan, uh, 6'3", lefty. Dylan Toit's coming back. Steven Cash is coming back. Uh, Brennan Moody pitched a little bit last year. Blake McGee pitched a little bit last year.
1: So Andy's saying that Nezu is in the uh, Astros organization. That's right. Okay.
0: Well, I Carson, read that
1: wrong. That's, that's my fault. Carson Fluno
0: is coming back. He, he lit it up towards the end of the year. JT. Ether, Fluno is who
1: I was thinking of. I apologize. Yeah, he was a
0: Saturday Saturday guy. Correct. Carson but,
1: Fluno is who I was thinking of. Sorry I mean, about
0: that. I'm reading through these names, and I see the experience that's coming back. And that's learning under this new system under, under Gunner. We've got some experience coming back, guys. And by the way, you
2: got some boys – you got a couple of guys from cypress texas one from my neighborhood who lives two streets down so you know they're going to be some some solid pitchers because they're from my neck of the <laughs> woods now i'm very excited about murphy murphy is it murphy brooks murphy yeah murphy brooks and some other guy we got Oops. a couple of guys from cypress that are that are on this team
0: very excited Chase about
1: Morgan. them these yeah, Morgan's also McGee, oh, well, uh, interesting. If he can stay healthy, I mean, there's another guy that could contribute yep. in some sort of a role, even if it's spot duty. But but my apologies. Flu knows who I was thinking of. Um, he pitched great down the stretch. He really came into his own. The fact of the matter is is that we've always said that if we felt like or if Deggs would just allow the pitching coach to do his job, bring in a guy that we all trusted and the guys that, that he worked with trusted, this would be a totally different team. I think that Obviously, and Jerry and I have talked about this. Obviously, there's going to be a learning curve. I mean, he's not going to walk in here and be the best pitching coach we've ever seen. He's not going to be Tony show overnight. But Gunner has the pedigree. He has the system. I think that when he develops the rapport and everything, and he learns on the job, and maybe it's not two months in, like Nick said. Maybe it's regional time before there's you know real cohesiveness. Regardless of if it's not even in 2024. He will pay dividends going down the stretch.
0: Another thing is too that's important to note with Gunner is Gunner, he takes the Tony Robichaux system, and he's also taken years to study the analytics behind the Tony Robichaux system. He, he he's very analytical on the things that he's learned, so he's going to be able to blend in both. Right. So, uh, what was it that we rate? We, we I know Rager Review. We all gave money last year that they were raising money for. Last, what's it called? The track, track thing. man. Track man. Track man. I didn't realize this, I actually kind of looked into it, that it's so detailed and analytical to a T from the way a batter swings on what he swings at, when he swings at it, and what type of pitch and how fast it comes and when they swing at it, gunner has got all of that data that he can study from while coaching the Tony RoboShow system. Now just imagine, just imagine, right? the Tony Robichaux system was always successful, right? What was it? The pitch by colors? Pitching the colors, in colors, yeah. Pitching in colors. Now include that with the analytics behind it. That's kind of evolved. Dude, are you kidding me, Nick? Yeah, but but uh, again,
2: like I said, Jerry, we, we've got, look, Martinez may be our, our, our guy on Friday night, but we still have to figure out Saturday, Sunday. We still got to figure out bullpen. We still got to figure out who our closer is, and that's going to come with experience. And then, as Josh alluded to, this is Gunner's first gig as a pitching coach in college baseball, so it's going to take him some adjusting. So, again, I think we just need we need to keep that in mind. Now, I know we like to sometimes we look at things through a microscope, and especially in football where you only have, you know. 12 games regular season and every game matters. Like we sometimes our mentality is to treat baseball in the same way. And, and this is probably the perfect example of the season where we need to let things develop. We need look Dags every single year. We're so frustrated in the first two, three, four, five weekends. And we're pulling our hair out and saying, how are we getting swept by JMU? But then we turn it around and we're in that large bid for a regional. So I think we just have to, again, trust the process, not get frustrated early in the season. We're going to be playing some damn good teams. But look, the one thing we cannot do is let Southern Miss do what they do to us for the past couple of seasons. We've got to man up and have that chip on our shoulder against Southern Miss. And I'm pointing them out because in every single sport, Southern Miss has us circled on the calendar this has got to be the season that we start turning that around. I'm tired of losing to those guys.
0: Well, I think, too, the, the deeper we get into the Degs era, the more fight I see in our team. If you remember 2020 before COVID, the first 15 or so games before the season was canceled, he basically took a team that, I mean, he had to cut some players. He didn't even know where to, I mean, I remember him saying one time that it was almost like he was, moving players in the best way that he could to even survive the season right and then COVID hits and the season gets canceled 2021 he basically rebuilds the team from scratch but he has a bunch of guys that really don't that really not that they didn't get along but they just didn't they didn't have the chemistry right and we talked about that many times during 2021 2022 he runs off the guys that didn't really fit into the culture kept the ones with the potential And before you know it, it was one of those seasons, right? Start off kind of sluggish, start off kind of slow. And as the season went on, get better, get hot for the tournament, win the tournament, go to a regional. And then last year, pretty much, we had some inconsistencies because of a lack of pitching per se, or inconsistencies of pitching, but we were good enough on the offensive side to put us in as an at-large. I think this year, even though we lost some of those guys, I feel like the attitude has evolved in a better way where you know, we could say in 2021 or 2022, oh yeah, they're bought in, but how much, how bought in were they really? Now you have the Degs culture that's there, the Degs mindset that that's there. I mean, this is year four, year five. So I expect the team to have that chip on their shoulder, like you talked about. I mean, that's, that was Tony's earliest teams. And that was, that's always been a Degs team. I think that culture, that mindset, I think it's there. I expect it to be there. And I'm hoping that it, it pays it pays dividends with, with wins, regardless of how young they may be or how much they have to develop as the season progresses.
2: Well, look, I, I will tell you this. The one thing Deggs never did was make excuses. Whenever he failed at something, whenever we weren't good enough or as good as, I should say, as good as as we expected or he expected, he, he never made excuses. He always came out and told us exactly how he felt and what we should do, and how we got to get better. So, you know, I, the the one thing you got to respect out of Deggs is he's gonna he's gonna give you the full story, and uh, whether you like it or not. So I'm, um, look, I'm I'm bought in. Um, I was bought in last season. I think, like you said, this it it takes a while for a guy to come out of. You think about what he had to navigate, Jerry. He had to navigate our head coach passing away. He had to navigate having our coaching staff still intact. He didn't want to fire any guys. He couldn't really make it his. He had players that he couldn't really make it his. It took a couple seasons. But despite all of that, two years in a row, we've made it to a regional. I mean, his the the the, the results are there. It can be frustrating along the way, you know, like, like the Napier wins. Napier wanted to make you pull your hair out sometimes, but in the end, he accomplished it sure what the wins. goal was, right? Yeah. So, I think again, when we're navigating through the early part of the schedule, we just got to be patient. We got to f- figure out the bullpen. We got to figure out some of our starting pitching. But the end result is still going to be, I think, at the end of the day, what we expect. Now, I want to do better than one and two in a regional. And I think that's again, raising our expectations. And again, Dex is not going to argue with me. He's going to come on and say, hell yeah, that wasn't good enough. We need to make it to Omaha. He's going to say that every year. That's what I like out of a head coach. Glasgow does it. He does it. There are expectations set way high because if you don't set the expectations, you'll never get there. So that's what I like to see out of a head coach. I like to see the honesty. I like to see the communication. And um, I like to see those goals set really high because that's where we all want to be it's been 24 years since we've been to Omaha that's way too long we need to get back there and we can and I feel like we have the the right pieces in place to get there in the next season too
0: and it's been nine years since we've been to a super regional so we're yeah. kind of due for that as well I I was laughing when you talked about how Degs doesn't make excuses because after I believe it was Louisiana Tech last year now we beat him at home but we went on the road and we were up by like four or five runs and our bullpen just collapsed. I mean, they gave up a grand slam. They gave up, I think, two or three more runs. It was like seven or eight unanswered runs. And I just remembered in the post game interview on the field, we were actually able to hear him in the post game interview because I know sometimes the mic cuts off. But uh, Top goes down to interview him, and I think there were like three or four times where Dagg straight up, because Top was like, "Hey, look, Coach, I know." Not the best night. You, your hitters were great. Trying to be positive, man. Your hitters were great. But, man, I know the pitching just gave up one or two pitches, and that was a difference in the game. Danks just went off for like a good, you know, five minutes. He kept saying, it's really a shame, man. It's a shame. He kept saying, it's a shame. We gave up these. our pitching staff, man. It, it, our hitters hit so well, but it's a shame. And for some reason, I'm listening to it. As frustrated as I was to lose to Tech, I could not help but start laughing. He just kept going, Top, it's a shame, man. And, but but you know what I saw out of that? I saw a coach, even in a midweek loss, that wasn't happy. I saw a coach that realized, hey, we can't play like this even on a Tuesday night if we expect to win the weekend series going into the postseason. And that's what I want out of our coach, which actually brings me to the next question with you guys. Josh, you may know where I'm going with this. Dagg says he wants to go to Omaha. Glasgow says he wants to go to Oklahoma City. When they come up short, let's say, for instance, Dags, we lose in a regional last year. Glasgow loses in a Super. Is it considered under – now, I know the answer to this, but I want to ask you your guys' opinion. Is it really underachievement if you just make a regional when your goal is Omaha? Or is it still a huge achievement that your team made it to a regional in spite of the fact that maybe your expectations were higher? So, for example, like in other sports, like maybe March Madness and basketball, right, going to the dance is a big deal. But is it is going to the dance too low of an expectation or trying to make a run at the Sweet 16, an expectation to where if you lose in the first round of the dance and you don't make the Sweet 16, it's not as much as of an achievement. I wanted your guys opinion on that because I have heard fans say that, well, Dags wants to go to Omaha. He only makes regionals. I don't know if that's good enough. What do you guys think about that?
2: Before Dags got here, when was the last time we made a regional 16?
0: It had been six years. Correct.
2: Yeah. So I'm not gonna say, look, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna be pissed with make, making a regional in either sport. Now what? I, want. Now what I want to see is improvement. Show me improvement. Show me the last couple of years. We went one and two. I think Let, let's do better than that. I need to see that after a while, right? But when you understand that they've got what 300 schools playing college softball and baseball. For 64 and, spots? Right, and there are 64 spots. Getting there is an achievement. And and the fact that we got there as an at-large last year in baseball, that's a hell of an achievement. So I'm not, I'm never, look, if we make a regional for the next 10 years, I'm not going to be pissed about it. Now, do I want to see every couple of years making a Super? Yeah. I mean, you look at, at quote, Power 5, programs, they're not making a Super Regional every year necessarily, but every couple of years, every three years, they're getting there. That's what I want to see. I'd like to see Jerry get back to a a Super Regional next year and win a couple of games, you know? Or maybe make it to Oklahoma City, but I'm not going to fire a guy for making it to a Super Regional two years in a row. I'm not going to criticize a guy for making it to a Regional three years in a row. I just, I would like to see improvement. I would like to see us, you know, really, I'm not going to say it was disappointing in our regional performance last year, but I felt like there were opportunities for us to to do a little better. And I think just the, the, the pitching, st- I think our bullpen really wasn't there last year, but I think when you look at the talent that we have coming this year, you want to win a couple of games and really be in the finals in the regional. That's for me and baseball. What I want to see, I want to see us be in the regional finals competing to get in that super regional for softball. I want to see us back in the supers, but I don't want to see us play freaking LSU for, for the 18th year in a row. Send us somewhere else. Give us another chance. Look, I'm a big anti-T-Side person as anybody else, but the fact of the matter is, I'd like to see more than one Louisiana team have the opportunity to make it to Oklahoma City. I'd love to meet T-Side in Oklahoma City. I think that'd be great for the state and for and for, for softball in general. So the point is, I am. I don't think, look, don't take this for granted, because you saw JMU. They were really good. They made it to Oklahoma City, and last year, they didn't move the needle for anybody. It's it, Just because you've had success for so many years doesn't mean that can't go away. So enjoy it while it's here. I'm not going to be disappointed ever making it to a regional. Eventually, if we make it three, four, five years and we're still not getting to supers, I may get a little agitated. But again, at, since Dex got here, we hadn't made it since sixteen. That was a that was a pretty long stretch for our expectations. So no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on anybody for making it to regionals because that gives you a chance. That's all you need. That's all you want is a chance to move up. In my opinion,
1: my opinion is that everything is relative. I think that. If you make reasonable goals, but lofty goals, that's reasonable. If you've been a coach of a program for 14 years and you think that making it to the final is good enough, well, I don't know. And I'm talking about in the conference tournament. If you feel like winning the league is a goal, I'm, I'm there. Uh, but every program is different, even at our own school. Like Deggs comes in with a, a pedigree. Deggs is what we consider to be one of those upper echelon coaches in the profession. Deggs has already fielded two out of three regional teams. If we continue to just be regional teams, then yeah, I think that people will say, hey, we're starting to underachieve here. However, he's going to tell you he wants to go to Omaha every year, and he means it. He's not just saying it, it's not just fluff. Deggs really wants to and expects to go back to Omaha. And I think we all. We all trust him when he says that. We buy into that because we know what we're capable of. We know how our fans, you know, we know our standard. We know what we invest. We know all this stuff. Softball, I can say the same thing. Like, is Oklahoma City a lofty goal? Not really. We've made it there multiple times. We can get back there again. That's our standard. As far as football, it's a completely different animal because, look, we, are, we were high on the horse. We got knocked off, and we're building our ways back up. Next year, if Des if goes eight and four, I think that I'll say, "Look, great." You know, I don't know what your goal was. I don't know what your standard was this year, but eight and four and a good bowl game, I'm I'm happy. If he does it three years in a row, we're underachieving. Like you've got to constantly be building towards something that's bigger than what you've already done. You can't be a 14 year coach getting the same results or doing the same roller coaster ride down, up, down, up, down, up. That's our issue with Marlin. The issue with Marlon is that he doesn't set these goals. You know, Jerry talks about how the rebounders club will say, uh, you know, well, Marlon didn't tell us he was going to go to the final four and then he didn't and now, you know, he didn't underachieve. That is the dumbest ass thing I've ever heard. Jerry, you manage portfolios. If you said, all right, I got, you know, my goal this year is a 25% return. If you don't hit 25%, nobody's going to look at you and say, well, you idiot, why didn't you get us a 25%? But if you hit 17, 18%, you're a freaking golden god. So so this idea of not setting high goals because they don't want to underachieve, achieve is cowardice. It's, it's loser mentality like we talk about. I want my coach to say, I expect to be in Omaha because he really believes it. And he's really trying to get his team to Omaha. I don't need to be lied to or fluffed up. I'm still going to watch the games. But I also don't want to be propagandized either. Well, you know, it's a one-bid league. Uh, you know, it's, it's just too hard to win. We can't win on the road. Basketball's dead in the South. I don't want to hear that. I don't have my coach in baseball telling me that, or basketball or, or softball telling me that I'm in football. You know, I, I don't hear it. You know how many times Lotif could have said, Well, the Sunbelt is trash. How do you expect me to get out of this league? The Sunbelt's garbage. How am I, I going to get RPI points to, to have a good seed to get to Oklahoma City? How many times did he say that? Zero times. How many times did Napier come in here and say, well, you know, the West is terrible. How can I get any respect? You know, it's just ridiculous. I expect my coaches to set lofty goals, and if we don't hit the goals, at least we landed somewhere among the respectable programs in this country. Deg says he wants to go to Omaha, I believe him. If we end up in the damn super, all right, well, we didn't get to the goal, but we accomplished something. So, yeah, I know you were trying to set me up to get me on a rant. So I'm, I'm going to stop short of the rant, but yeah, I don't
2: know how we got in basketball, but yes, he was setting well, you up.
1: <laughs> I think the point he's trying, he's, the juxtaposition is, Marlon doesn't set lofty goals because he doesn't want to overachieve or underachieve, but Degs will get up there and say, "I want to go to Omaha," and then when we don't go to Omaha, the Basketball Rebounders Club or the People's Republic of the Rebounders will say, uh, uh, "Well, you know, well, at least I'm not getting smoke blown up my skirt." You know all this bullshit. It's like, dude the man set a goal and we got to a regional and we, we look like we belong against Texas and Miami. And we didn't even have all our pieces. Like we didn't have a, the coach, the, the, the pitching staff that we were supposed to have last year. And we still competed with two of the best teams in the country. What do you think this man's going to do with a real pitching staff and some guys that's been in the program a few years and an all, and an all American at shortstop. I'll go on record right now. I'm just, I'm feeling good. All right. I think we went a regional in 2024. I can get here here first. I can get behind. I You're love, it. First. I I love behind. it, man.
0: And, 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 but the reason why I ask is because I find that our different sports have different expectations when I feel like every sport should have the same expectation and that's be the best you can be. Not necessarily, you know, flying by the seat of your pants and hoping something good happens. I, I, I would love for basketball to say, we want to go to the sweet 16. Like that boot says it right. Sweet 16. <laughs> I'm like, Hey. I'm, I'm all about the sweet. I'll take
1: the sweet 16. Hell yeah. I'll I take mean. the sweet 16. If you tell me right now, we're going to the sweet 16 to be any of the basketball season. I'm buying season tickets. I'm giving to the rebounders club and I'm going to be at every single game. I'll make some away games too. Tell me if, in. if I, if that's how you feel about this program and you believe we can get there, I'm with you. Me that's in. the kind of program I want to support. You know what I mean? I mean, look, that 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 how could you not support that? That's exciting. You sell me in basketball that we that
0: our goal is a Sweet 16 and we're going to and we're going to join in together. I will join the rebounders club and give money and do everything tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow, but I don't hear that. It's let's see what happens and if we do great, we'll we'll hug and cry as if we made the final four for just making the tournament. It's not great My
2: problem year. my problem is we've got football where we're our goal is to win the conference every year, and we've got a damn good conference in football. Baseball, we want to win it. We want to get to Omaha, and we've got a damn good football, uh, baseball league in softball. It's it's softball's getting, getting better because of us. But you got JMU, you've got South Alabama that's on the rise, you've got us, you've got teams on the rise, and we achieve to 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 get to Oklahoma City. Basketball ain't that I look. Basketball ain't that good. I'm sorry. We're not a good basketball league. We have to get better. Our entire league needs to schedule better. And you're you're not even stating what your goals are. Like, your goal should be, we got into the NCAA last year, improve this year. But instead, you've got excuses as to why we can't do it or why we couldn't do it. There's no more. I'm tired of the... Again, like you said Jerry, we we got to stop holding every sport to different d- to different standards, different accountability. Like our goal in every sport should be to win the league.
1: Can I can I brag on Marlon a little bit more? I know that the world's going to flip upside down, but you you got to give the man credit. It's freaking genius to set no goals because you can't underachieve when you set no goals. It's freaking brilliant. It's true. But but
0: that's but also too, that's why basketball right now in spite of the last two wins in spite of the fact that they're on a roll right now that's why they're averaging 1900 people a game because people are not going to support that people are not going to back that up and say yeah i want to join that i want to i want to i want to get in on that when you have no goals or when you don't have really a message to sell that you want to go do something like because if i were to go into if i were to go tell a basketball booster i don't know anybody Hey, our goal should be the Sweet 16, or any booster for that matter. They'd most likely they'd look at me like I'm nuts. What do you mean? We can't make the Sweet 16. We don't have a history here. We can't do this. Culture of can't. Why why does it hurt to try? It may not be real. It may not be real. Why? Why is that? Why is it such a sin to try? And say, hey, maybe we can do it. Other teams have done it. Why can't we do it? Why not us?
1: Jerry, I think the better question is. Why are we dumping on basketball when they just blew out Texas State, man? We gotta let it live them up. This is this is not the day to to dump on basketball. They're having a great night because they're it's, coming back to Dave and Buster's, baby. Oh my God, it's the it's the big picture, man. It's the big picture. I
0: mean, what we saw tonight is like an appetizer of what should be more consistently should be more consistently.
2: Well, next three games we're winning because the boot said so, and right. he's two and zero. Oh. We got the next three. I'm telling you, the dude can—he
0: he's good at what he does. He can predict wins. Gypsy witch. I mean, he's he a gypsy witch. It. We're gonna we're gonna call From him down witch- to you. the Boostradamus, like Nostradamus, the Boostradamus. <laughs> That's his new name. But look, we hey, we need more passionate fans like the boot man. We love the boot. The man, the man is—we is do. A, like a, he's like a Cajun soothsayer. It's 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 great. A traitor. We, need, we yeah. need more of him. <laughs>
2: That that's the name of one of the things we were talking about. Maybe that's an you know, earlier today.
0: That's true. Oh, I
1: just had one a second ago. Oh, the Shaws. The Shaws. I thought the Shaws. I like it. That might be it. But but no, I love the boot. I, I hope I hope he didn't think I don't like him. I, I bust his balls on the internet, but I love the boot.
0: Well, you're gonna love him more after he, he spanks your booty in uh one on one, right?
1: Please son. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take the boot to school.
0: So, so real quickly. Okay. Well, now that we we went on a tangent, but one more thing I wanted to talk about real quickly before we go. Um. So, <laughs> it, the last month we've been absent from episodes. We've had a little bit of of tiffs on social media with uh. Let's see, JMU, uh, some of the TSAP faithful. Uh. How many conflicts have we gone through in the past 30 days? It's almost like, because Nick, look, let's let's start off with Nick's beautiful graphic. If there were a bowl game in Baton Rouge. Nick created this beautiful graphic, which got so big on Twitter. I think you triggered like 30 or 40% of the entire fan base in Baton Rouge. Um, Josh has triggered the entire JMU fan base and has actually gotten some Sunbelt members on our side there to where now when we do something that has nothing to do with them, they're retweeting us and, and quote tweeting us about stuff. And I'm just sitting back watching the fireworks. I'm enjoying every second of it. I'm loving it. And uh, and but of course I'm on the razor review app and and I and we'll try to be a little witty and and clever but you know I got to admit I got to admit we sit back and do this as a hobby we sit back and enjoy this it's all fun but there's some people that like debate us and argue with us that really get either passionate or legitimately upset by it
2: What's a guy's name from Tsaab the one that hates me uh, Preston Miguez. Preston Preston thinks that he is responsible <laughs> For all of the views and interactions I have on the X app. So thank you, Preston, for all of the success I have in life. If it were not for you, I would have none of the 150,000 views I had from that. And and the 100,000 views I have on other things I share on that app. Appreciate you, brother. Because without you, I would never be where I am today. Imagine getting paid to do that and, and trash talking fans. Of a podcast, of a fan podcast, and thinking, oh, well, you don't get nearly as many views as I do. I shouldn't. Because I don't get paid for this. I'm doing that. This is a hobby. And I still outdo you. Whatever, dude. Whatever. Shaws. Anyway, it's easy, Jerry. The the fan bases that think that they are so far superior than we are are the most vulnerable to us triggering them over simple stuff. Like a certain school in Hattiesburg. When you say attendance, holy cow! They wait. They wait. They for
0: lose
2: their mind. They wait
0: for it. They I even wait got. For I even it. got
2: Destiny saying, "I make her eye twitch." Well, they twitch wait away, baby. It.
0: When somebody takes a picture, when somebody takes a picture of the crowd at the Southern Miss arena, there's always one person that like. There's always going to be one fan you could count on to say something like, "Here comes Nick! Here comes <laughs> Nick!" Like they, they just—it's so easy. It's on cue it's It's so easy
2: because you know they started it and like now that i point out that your attendance sucks too it's always it's a it's a list of excuses well the students are out well they're on the roost well they're this where they're like i don't in the end i really don't care i'm just trying to trigger you and you're buying into it so congratulations it's easy
0: it's a love. it really is look it's a love hate with southern miss we got a lot of we've made some good friends there but it's fun to trash talk and they go back and forth i actually enjoy the back and forth with Southern Miss now I will say I do too
2: because there's a mutual respect there, there no is. matter what there, there really is a is. mutual respect and we're in the same conference and when we're not playing each other we do pull for each other Absolutely. and plus we both hate TSAB and they say TSAB. so I'm cool with them
0: now 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 JMU is a different story um I, I I was very intrigued so to give a backstory Josh and I are at the basketball game and we're actually in the corner where that little tiff broke that tiffle broke out that fight at the end of the game and so I'm literally at the bottom of the, the, the section. So I said, Josh, dude, I got to film this. He goes, yeah, go ahead and film it. So I'm filming it. And it's about 30 or 40 seconds. And as I'm like, well, look, I'm going I'm to tweet this out. I'm going to put it in all over social media. And I know it's going to create drama, so why not? Well, then all of a sudden, there's a few JMU fans that are calling us trashy people and calling us names. And I'm thinking... What do you think the players for JMU just sat by and didn't do anything? And they're oh, the Cajuns are sore losers and always the Cajuns starting something. When we find out from witnesses that were literally by the court that it was a JMU guy who wasn't even dressed out, apparently got into the face of one of our assistant coaches. And then that starts going back and forth. And then of course they were bragging about how they ended our streak. Well, then JMU goes to Hattiesburg, gets beat by double digits. So Josh definitely used the bookmark uh, button on Twitter. And I think he probably quote tweeted at least 30 to 40. I think I counted like over 30 quote tweets that that man had after the loss to JMU. So I think a man about town is officially public enemy number one of the entire JMU fan base. Josh, explain yourself.
1: <laughs> they earned every second of it. I mean, first of all, they caught me on a night where I didn't. I was sitting on the couch watching football, I think is what it was. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to remember all this because this team is average this is not we should have beaten them I mean honestly with with a couple of different calls uh specifically against Julian throughout that game, we would have beaten that team and I thought they were fraudulent, so I'd let their fan base know it because they were running their mouths on on Twitter so I just told them that they were all frauds and i'd be I'd be coming back to remind them and sure enough, they went to south out uh, to uh Southern Miss and lost and then they went to app and lost and I just reminded them that they didn't lose that they didn't win that day and I reminded them when I thought of them as a fan base and people as individuals. And I mean, excuse my French, they're the bitchiest bunch of people that we've ever come across. in this OK, conference.
2: first of all, can I can I say this before you go on? They're Liberty fans, but with better education. That's why they hate each other.
1: They're literally the same. I'm only giving them a slight benefit of the doubt because they're conference mates. Liber- and also Liberty has 90% of their classes online or 80% of their classes online. So I'll give them that. At least they go to the building. But Josh,
0: 2.96 cumulative 2.96 GPA, GPA something right.
1: we certainly can't, you know. That's right. We can only imagine being at that level. But look, dude, JMU sucks. I was one of the biggest proponents of getting JMU in the league, and I, and their athletic success. It is what it is, and I'm thrilled about that. I'm glad to be associated. But the people that are, are their mouthpieces on the social accounts and, and those fans, the worst. They they make Southern Miss look like I feel bad for Southern Miss compared to what it's embarrassing what they say. And the thing is, is the trash talk is not even. It's not fun. It's not clever. It's not creative. It's boring. It's it's the same old repetitive Twitter. I'm gonna copy this guy and then act like it's my own. Like it's that. It's FCS. It it's it FCS. wasn't even. It's That's FCS it level trash talk. It's embarrassing. Like you didn't. You came to a you came to a gunfight with a toothpick. It was ter- It was embarrassing. I, I was trying to have fun with these people and I just walked away feeling sorry for them. But but anyway, uh, I I, I am I love sports hate. We don't have enough sports hate in this country. I'm glad that the Sun Belt is developing some sports hatred. Like App State, it's 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 respectful, you know what I mean. And, and we don't really hate each other. We it's a rivalry, but it's it's kind of like almost too respectful. It's like let's have a respect off, you know. Like it's too much. And then and then Texas State has been so bad for so long, you don't even think of them. South Alabama, I mean, outside of baseball, do you really even? It used to be basketball and baseball. Now it's like, eh, they suck, you know. I don't know, man. I'm glad to have another rivalry. I I know they're in the East, but they just are the worst. They 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 cry when they win. They're the best thing there ever was. They invented football. They invented it. How did football get played before this? When they lose, oh well, it's because of you know the legislature in Virginia and it's 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 every other damn thing. There's an excuse every time they lose, and there's a you know they're the best thing that ever happened when they win. So I just I wanted to let them know that they need to come back down to reality. And shout out to Nick. Nick called it way before anybody else. He was sick of the petitions and the petitions about the petitions. He was sick about it way before anybody else started calling him out. Um, so Nick called it. But, you know, it was time that they got put in their place and they all hate men about town. I can tell you that. Well, that that's the thing. So so.
0: Nick, I remember you were talking about this back in, like, October, November when JMU was trying to get the petitions to go to the bowl game, and it was to the point where, like, they were not only trying to get petitions through the bowl game, but they were getting, like, their attorney general to join in. I think the governor or lieutenant governor was joining in, and they they got denied every time, and then they finally get to the bowl game, and then they lose. And, 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 you know, for me, it was more along the lines of, look, I I supported that. I actually supported them, let them in a bowl game. I know the rules, the rules are terrible. They're going to have to change the rules if, you know, for the transitional stuff, but, but they still got in. But then after the basketball game, the way some of their fans were talking, I'm like, I like almost felt betrayed. I'm like, I'm trying to help you. I'm, Supporting you guys making a bowl game, and then you call They're us burning
1: bridges with everybody. You call That's us trash. You
0: call our like you call our players trash. When one of your players started it. Like you, you had one me? of their podcasts saying that they belonged in the
2: ACC, and they you know this trash conference, this and that, and because we wouldn't support them, appealing for fifty fifth time to the NCAA to tell them no, they can't go to a freaking playoff or bowl game. Like it was just getting beyond ridiculous,
1: with Nick. They got their bowl game, and they instead did. of being happy about it, they lose, and then they just withdraw the suit. There oh, were, never mind. No, no, no. Forget no, about no. it. It was before that. they lost. It's when they lost to App State. When they lost to App State. Not a peep. Game. It was all yeah. gone. They withdrew the lawsuit. Then I had an idiot fan try to tell me, oh, we had nothing to do with that lawsuit. Dude. Bro, Your name is on the petition. We all saw it these people look they live in an alternate universe and then they Uh, didn't
2: realize the stupidity and the fact that the politicians that were doing all of this were doing it for votes like they didn't care about jmu they were just doing it for votes because they had a loud voice and they were going to make you happy and they were going to get your vote they were too dumb to realize
1: that so they're supposed to be the harvard of the sunbelt they're not very smart we find out they got used by politicians. They bitched and complained their way into every Sunbelt conference fan base hating their guts, and then they want to get mad at me? I was right. But they'll be in the ACC soon enough, so don't worry about it, Josh. They invented football. They're, P4, they're P2. four. They're P They're P1. They invented the power conferences, They're too. Tupac. They're t- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Look, I'll just say this, right? It's almost to the point where, like you said, hate sports hate is fun it makes it fun it creates narratives it makes it exciting going into the matchups sometimes it's a little bit of overkill i do find that some of the stuff they were talking about was a little bit of overkill um but man it elevates By the way- so quickly
2: I got to call you out on something because you were just saying, I'm just sitting back watching. Dude, you're texting us the tweets. Oh, I being am. Like, look what they said, triggering us to be like, oh, no, MFR. <laughs> Let me show you. Yeah. Get so him, you're man. not just sitting back. Going, oh, no, I'm not doing anything. No, nah, you're starting <laughs> all of this. You're just in the background starting it. I just want to clear sh- that up. I We're just out
0: love, here
1: doing the heavy lifting. I just love
0: the fireworks because of the fact that I know, because I'm just waiting for one of you to just. Because here's the thing about one, like both of y'all. What cracks me up is, like Nick, you post the 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 bowl game at Baton Rouge. You post one little graphic, and it got like what is it, like three hundred thousand views or something. And for ridiculous. those out
1: there that are wondering, the embezzlement bowl, <laughs> yeah. Was- <laughs>
2: the embezzlement bowl but thanks to preston i got three hundred thousand views if it
1: weren't for him we'd be nowhere man look this is why it's because you know it's a shame normally he would reach out to smaller podcasts like us for help because in fact he is a big deal folks
0: look guys this podcast we have electricity to allow to run this podcast because of him okay so just y'all better y'all better y'all better recognize and appreciate okay Well, that was fun. (laughs) It was a good way to get back into 2024. Guys, I had a blast. I know you guys had a blast. We'll be back really soon. We got some basketball coming up, baseball, softball on the way. Got lots more to talk about. Josh, let the secret out the bag. We expect to get Kendall Rogers in the next few weeks, right? Talk a little bit about that, Josh.
1: Well, he's on the schedule, so uh, expect the first week of February to hear from Kendall. We weren't able to connect last year because – all kinds of things happened, but they were launching a new situation with D one and I waited too long. So that's on me, but, uh, we'll, we'll get a full, full scale interview like we have in the past with Kendall, uh, before, I, I mean, I expect it in the first week of February.
0: Very good. Well, I think that's going to do it for tonight, guys. We actually stayed, again, we had a lot of stuff to make up for, so we stayed a little bit over time, but all good to catch up with all of you. Good to catch up with you guys. Um, If you like what we do, please like subscribe. Oh, Josh, you want to say something? Just
1: parting shots real quick. I was honored to join Dom and TJ on the sunbelt syndicate. Uh, they're doing a big sunbelt show tonight with all the different podcasts and all the different fans going to be something that you guys want to check out. We were involved in 14 others, I believe so that, uh, I want to give a huge shout out to tiny Island for making this custom shirt. They're not for sale. They're only for me. Uh, also, Cam is selling Girl Scout cookies, so if you need Thin Mints, holler at your boy, and that's all.
0: I like Girl Scout cookies; they're good. Thin Mints are good. I might have to, dude. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'll put the link in the thing. Oh no, just go to my website, my uh, my Twitter. There, it's all there. Right. I Matt? at Kanai Matt?
0: There you go. Well. Yeah, Girl Scout cookies. I like it. Uh, once again, thanks to our sponsors, um, Recovery Chiro Med, Dr. Brett Venable, as well as Absolutely Embroidery and more. Don't forget to please give to Crew Law in the changing world of NIL. Louisiana has one, too. Got to help keep our student athletes happy. Uh, again, give to NIL anywhere from 20 bucks to 20000 It's It's all good. If you like what we do want to give us feedback, please like, subscribe. We're on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and TikTok. You can listen to us via audio as well as on Apple, iTunes, and Spotify. Nick will have this episode up once he gets it done. Thank you guys so much. We always enjoyed it. Josh, Nick, always a pleasure. I'm Jerry with the Razor Review Podcast. We'll see you soon. In the words of the late, great Big Dave Thibodeau, bye. We out of here. See you next time for some more Razor Review.
1: We went to church every Sunday. We had a friend speaking, Preacher Man. The kids joked about the Preacher Man, cause we thought he wore dress. After church, we have a party.